Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this Wednesday, October 4th, 2017 edition of the Hagman Report. Joe Hagman, you're here, your co-host, along with John Robertson, filling in for my father, Doug Hagman, tonight. Uh, Doug is in studio, in the office, just doing some stuff over there, and we got a great show lined up for you tonight. We have the first half hour open. We're going to jump into some news and current events. We got some information, updated information out of the uh, Las Vegas tragedy, as well as some information we're going to get into <clears throat> about the Spanish government and the uh, populist independence movement that's going on over there that has not been receiving much attention in the U.S. media due to the Las Vegas scenario. Then we got, in the second half of Hour 1, we're going to be joined by Gerald Salente. And Gerald Salente, is, uh, he, he's been... Uh, doing trends in the news for a long time now, and he uh, does economic and political stuff. And we got a list of his, some of his forecasts and when they were predicted versus events that actually happened. And we're going to see what where he wants to go tonight. Then in hour two, we have Gregory Manorino. He's going to join us. He's been a, a guest on the show before, and he's going to uh, offer some unique insight into a number of issues. And then we're going to close out the program with Pastor David Langford. I'm going to bring on John. John, it's uh, it's great to be here. And for folks that don't know, we do the Hagman Daily Show. John and I do 2 to 3 p.m. each day on Global Star Radio Channel 3, as well as Blog Talk Radio Live and Archive. And you can find all that on HagmanReport.com. Folks, go to HagmanReport.com, bookmark it, check it daily. And there you can not only check the uh, Doug Hagman Show, but the Hagman Daily Show and our evening show, Hagman Report. John, welcome to the show. Well, Joe, thank you so much, and it's it's such a, a privilege and an honor to be back here this evening. And one of the fun things about about being on Team Hagman is uh, sometimes you're never quite sure uh, when you're going to sit in, or maybe you'll take a segment, maybe not. Uh, and uh, fortunately, tonight I'm blessed to get to spend some time with uh, all of you this evening. So, uh, Joe, thank you very much, and of course, a very special thanks to Doug Hagman. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't point out just right out of the gate, uh, at the Northeast Intelligence Network and Homeland Security U.S. And, uh, go to homelandsecurityus.com for the latest from Doug Hagman. Phones have been ringing off the hook all day long. There's information pouring in, uh, primarily about the Vegas tragedy. And I know, Joe, you're about to, uh, blow everyone's hair back with information that just broke, uh, a little less than two hours ago. A very special thanks to our friends at WorldNet Daily, specifically Michael Thompson, who I want to be very careful, informed me of some of this, also informing me that it had not been fully vetted through WorldNet Daily's uh, journalist or legal department as yet. Nonetheless, Michael Thompson is shrewd, he knows what he's talking about, and he keeps very well abreast of the news. So with that, uh, Joe, why don't you... Uh, Bring us, bring us up to speed. What's this? This story out of Las Vegas is, is almost just too much, Joe. Yeah, there. Um, we've been able to do a lot of analyzing of uh, what had happened in Las Vegas at this this concert, 
And there, again, there seems to be an overabundance of information about this shooter, Stephen Paddock, but none of it really seems to be too relevant in trying to understand the motive and uh, what is behind this attack. Now, there have been what are known as uh, Internet sleuths, uh, and Michael Thompson has also picked up on this. But there is uh, interesting reports that this Paddock and possibly his uh, girlfriend, Delaney, are connected to the intelligence agencies. And um, one interesting report that I've seen connects uh, Paddock, who was a pilot, to a Defense Department um, intelligence community company called Volant Associates, where his plane that he owns apparently is registered to this company. Now, there's two sets of information on this um, plane on the Internet, the FAA, which has a different set of information than flightware.com does but according to sources oh, a, a source and I haven't talked to, to, to Thompson but John did so we don't know which uh, if these are the same sources or not but regardless there is a Stephen Paddock that owns an SR-20 and the it is registered to a company in Roanoke, Virginia named Volant LLC and the company works with the defense intelligence community and some people are stating that this could be a connection for anything from running guns to running drugs via airlines. Now, I have not seen any evidence that he um, has flown recently, but if he's doing undercover you know, intelligence uh, community-type work, would that evidence even be forthcoming? I doubt it, but we got to keep digging and keep looking because there is a huge hole in the narrative being given to the public by the mainstream media as to why this happened, and there is a lot more to be uncovered. Now, um, just to clear a few things up, I saw some video of, um, you know, many people were saying that there is video out there of a shooter on the uh, lower floors of the hotel. I saw some, some video today that showed that actual flash, that what looks like a muzzle flash, is actually some kind of light that was ongoing before and after the shooting took place. So the video that everybody saw of the that the taxi driver took, um, as interesting as it is, it seems that that light that is coming from the lower part of the hotel is not what many people think it is. And as John made the point earlier on our show, there is no broken windows on the lower floors, and there would be um, no, I mean, you'd have to break one of those windows out to shoot from that. And just the fact that a half hour, hour before the shooting took place, you see video with that light going off in the same place, in the same manner it was as the shooting was taking place. Uh, it's safe to assume that that was not gunfire. But there's still a lot of confusion. There is still more questions than answers in this uh, in this story. One thing that is um, new since we were uh, taken out, since we came off air yesterday, is that the girlfriend, this Delaney, who was said to be in the Philippines or in Hong Kong or Japan, there's many differing reports, when the shooting took place, who was the girlfriend of this paddock, has been, uh, has come back to the United States, was flown to LAX, where she was apparently interviewed by the FBI, but for whatever reason was free to, to travel or go as she pleases, um, answering their questions 
we don't know. We don't know what happened there. Uh, it seems to be rather strange. And also, there has been a leak of some information from the hotel where <clears throat> uh, Paddock was staying that shows that authorities were wrong and that he was actually there. Um, one, they said he got there on September 28th. There's a receipt from a room service that showed him and another guest had room service um, four days before the shooting on September 22nd, or I'm sorry, 27th, one day before the police claim he checked in at this room. So some interesting information there. Drudge has a number of, of headlines um, up about this. The part about him taking Valium was also um, out there, and, and people were talking about that. I don't really think that's too much of an issue Um and the again the the main question did the shooter get radicalized, or was his job uh, you know as part was he working with the FBI was he working inside these intelligence communities um, doing some kind of undercover activity whether it was running guns or drugs that seems to be the question that people are asking now or was was this woman uh, connected to ISIS those teams so those seem to be the two um, at least in my mind right now the most likely questions to ask and places to go based on the information we've seen. John, what do you think? Wow. Well, one has to wonder, uh, when we start looking at these type scenarios, I mentioned today on the, the Hagman Daily Show, and I was I was saying it sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, that I'm starting to feel like I'm reading the same script again and again and again, particularly when we look at the uh, the personal history, the personal attributes uh, the neighbors or families uh, commentary about the perpetrator in these mass shootings that seem to be getting worse and worse by the year. But Joe, when we look at the larger picture, when we start to look at uh, th- this could seriously be a situation. And again, this is speculative. I want to be clear. We haven't had time to vet this. It just broke. But if in fact the perpetrator was involved in any type of narcotics transportation drug running if you will for one of the intelligence agencies or for one of the subsidiaries of the intelligence agencies then we have a situation where we have a major feature film about Barry Seal and the entire Mena Arkansas story coming out starring Tom Cruise of all people (laughs) Uh, and at the same time the possibility and of course this story will develop over the next day or two that the shooter in Vegas may have had some ties or connections to international drug running. Now, there are some other things that I find curious as well. This guy was considered in Vegas what they call a whale. And okay, that, and what that means is his wallet is full of VIP cards for everything from the, from the high roller hotels to strip clubs to the steakhouses. This guy is known as someone who gambles and gambles high stakes. Therefore, they are treated very well upon arrival in Vegas. I would also like to mention as a side note that Las Vegas is, remains, and has been since the 1970s the suicide capital of the United States. And one thing I think we can agree on, Joe, is that the shooter did in fact kill himself before the SWAT team was able to uh, infiltrate the room. But quickly, back to this, this the, the story is becoming so complex. It's, it's becoming uh, so confusing on myriad levels we've got the connection to the girlfriend she's in the philippines she's wired a hundred thousand dollars uh that's quite a bit of money for the an average john, american to send overseas i i 
do we know if he sent it to her specifically? Because I've heard reports that uh, one, it was sent to her, but then I've I've just heard reports read and read reports that said it was sent to the Philippines, and they did not determine where the money went. But I also had heard um, the brother, the interview the brother gave, where he said a hundred thousand uh, dollars. The way he said it was, not everybody works at Taco Bell. A hundred thousand dollars is not a lot of money to us. Yeah, you know, and that sounds like that. And I'm sorry. And, and this he said is... he was trying to help out the the girlfriend, but I guess the the. I've never seen it. I guess I'll have to look to see if an official report was made that the girlfriend was the recipient of the $100,000. That's and, the question. And, Joe, you make a good point there. See, we are are most literally in a situation where we have layer upon layer of questions and precious few answers at this time. But it's important that we apply critical thinking skills and have the intelligence, the audacity, I would even say the guts to ask these questions. You see... There's a fine line between critical thinking and wild speculation. And frankly, Joe, I think that's a line that we walk very well here at the Hagman Report. So so what we're dealing with right now are a couple of different scenarios, and this will develop over the next few days. And I wish that I could give each of you this evening more, but we just don't have it yet. We've got the Philippines connection. We've got a wire transfer of $100,000. Now, I did read this morning, Joe, that the FBI also noted that there were seven other financial transactions that they were looking at okay. as well. And I'm looking at a report here that doesn't that says uh, one week before the Las Vegas shooter panic opened fire on thousands of concert goers. He reportedly wired $100,000 to an account in the Philippines, according to NBC News. Paddock's living girlfriend, uh, Delaney, I'm sorry, Danley, is from the Philippines, and it goes on to say that the week before, she on September 25th, when the money was wired to the Philippines, on she was in Hong Kong. There remains a lot of mystery around the $100,000 money transfer, and uh, I'm not sure that it's been confirmed one or another that the money was wired to her or not, but you said there were seven other financial transactions? Indeed. When I was doing my show prep for the Hagman Daily Show today, uh, it said that there were seven other financial transactions that were being looked at by the FBI. But there are two more points I want to make before we move on from this. Uh, and the first is put yourself in the position of the perpetrator's girlfriend flying in voluntarily, mind you, from uh, the Philippines back to Los Angeles, back to LAX. She was met at the jetway by FBI agents, and she did not, at least we have no reports at this time that she lawyered up. Now, if I were flying back from the Philippines as a person of interest, and it, person of interest, that, that specific verbiage has been all over mainstream media for at least 24 hours now. If I were flying back from the Philippines to LAX as a person of interest in the biggest mass shooting in the, in the country's history, and I knew I were being met at the jetway by FBI agents, just for my own safety's sake, I would have legal representation there, Joe, simply because we live yeah. in a world now where you could be just trying to be the best American citizen you can possibly be. You say one or two wrong things, and you can find yourself in a world of hurt when you're being interrogated by professionals. Did you ever see that video? I think it was of a lawyer or a police officer who gives the advice that if you ever have to talk to police for any reason, uh, that you should always have a lawyer with you and say as little as possible. Um, you know, answering questions with yes or no when possible. There was a very popular video a few years back that was on YouTube. People can find it that, you know, tells you when you're interacting with police 
especially in any kind of police investigation that you, uh, no matter what, no involvement to some involvement to actually, you know, being the, the culprit, you should always have a lawyer because police are always looking to put charges on people no matter what. And you should always be, uh, have legal representation to know how to, uh, be best protected. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, there was a gentleman, his name escapes me at the moment, but he was interviewed a number of times on InfoWars back in late 2013, early 2014. And uh, one of his key instructions through the course of his interview with Alex Jones, whenever you're speaking to law enforcement, be it municipal, state, or or the federal authorities, you want to say as little as possible because what's misunderstood about law enforcement in this country is that Yes, they are trying to solve a case. Yes, they are trying to fact-find. But at the end of the day, what they're looking for is a collar. They're looking for an arrest. And the bigger the felony, the better. So, Joe, what you yeah, mentioned... they want to close the case. They, they, they want to close the case, and they want to close the case with, uh, with shall, yeah. we, shall we say, some decorum. And I'd say that they always want to get the guilty party, but, you know, we've seen cases hundreds of times in the past where innocent people have gone to jail uh, for crimes they didn't commit. And unfortunately, as good of a justice system as we have, that does happen um, far too often. And there was a phrase, what is it, better that a hundred men go guilty than one innocent man go to jail? And um, I think there's some validity to that, even though it sounds a little crazy, because um, we should, and, and our system of justice is is, um, is great. You know, you have the uh, rights of, you know, the perpetrators or the accused where in other countries you know you don't even have uh, jury trials you don't have evidence presented you just you know uh, you get caught up at the wrong place in the wrong time even and, and you can find yourself you know being uh, I mean look at North Korea who was that kid that auto kid he stole a, a poster or, or took a picture of a poster in North Korea you know they sent his body back he was in a coma and he died two days later yes yeah, so- you have author- authoritarian rules like that uh, versus the system of justice we have in this country. Um, it's a difference between night and day. It is, and uh, I believe that was subsequent to the Warner Brothers feature film that came out in late 2014, which was that big spoof about, you know, the two bozo kids that go over to North Korea and Yeah, the wind hacking, up, uh, the one that got ha- allegedly hacked by uh, uh, online hackers, and they ended up releasing the movie on Netflix. And Yes, they did, and I'll tell you what, I worked for Sony at that time. Uh, I was working, uh, what show was I on? I was working... On CSI Cyber at uh, CBS Radcliffe, uh, that was the studio, and we had a deal with Sony Props. So we were renting an enormous amount of our set dressing from Sony Props, and I was at Sony every day during that hack. And it, I'll tell you, it was almost like a miniature version of seeing what a city would look like if... Uh, we had some kind of super hack happen where all of a sudden you couldn't buy gas, ATMs didn't work, the credit card envoys at grocery stores didn't work. I mean, at Sony Pictures on the west side of L.A., nothing worked. Nothing. They were handwriting passes at the gates. They were handwriting manifests for hundreds and hundreds of items of props. So uh, it, 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 it certainly our justice system is not without its faults. And, you know, interestingly, Joe, I wouldn't mind hearing from more cops. Studio at HagmanandHagman.com. Remember, there's two ends on Hagman and spell out the word and. Uh, given all the law enforcement that, that, that view our show and listen to our show, I, I'd, I'd like to hear some, some more opinions from some, some of the professionals, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. 
always uh, very valued opinions and, and um, whether it's about this uh, Las Vegas story or anything else, we would love to hear about it. We got just a few minutes left before the break. I want to make sure we take some time to hit on this story because I believe if Las Vegas did not happen, this would be the number one news story probably in the in the international media um, from the weekend till today. Um, Catalina moves to declare independence from Spain on Monday. Now, uh, we saw a vote, a referendum on Sunday. It was a banned referendum where the police were dispatched on the population that was voting and uh, anywhere between 800 and 1,000 people were injured in violent clashes with police as they tried to prevent the vote from from taking place. This article goes on to say Catalina will move on Monday to declare independence from Spain after holding a banned referendum pushing the European Union nation toward a rupture that threatens the foundation of its young democracy. Uh, Catalan President Carlos Pedjumont, I'm terrible with names, said that he favored uh, meditation to find a way out of the crisis, but that Spain's central government had rejected this. Prime Minister Rajeo's government res- responded by calling Catalina to return to the path of law first before any negotiations. Uh, a Catalan lawyer from two pro from the pro-independence popular Unity Candidacy Party said a declaration of independence would follow a parliamentary session on Monday to evaluate the results of the October 1st vote to break away. We know that there may be uh, uh, disbarments, arrests, but we are prepared, and in no case will it be stopped, she said on Twitter. Now, this uh, vote for this push for independence from the from Spain and the European Union uh, is said to be, as we covered on the Hagman Daily Show today, um, some people are saying it's more dangerous than Brexit. Some people are saying that this is going to be a domino effect where we're going to see a number of other revolution slash populist movements in other countries in the European Union that want to break away and want its independence. And one of the things that we're going to have to ask uh, Gerald Salente about is not only the constitutional crisis in Spain, but Spain is the Eurozone's fourth biggest economy. And the uh, article here from Reuters says that this has shaken the common currency and hit Spain uh, Spanish stocks and bonds. Madrid's borrowing costs have risen sharply and reached their highest since March on Wednesday. And the cost of insuring against political uh, potential losses on Spain bank debt and Spanish-Italian-Portuguese sovereign debt has also jumped, suggesting an impact on the wider Eurozone. So it'll be interesting to see if the uh, Catalina does declare its own independence, what uh, impact this will have on the European Union as a whole, specifically in its financial markets. And the the Spanish king uh, said he was disappointed by people in Catalina by failing to call for dialogue (laughs) and accused King Felipe of endorsing the politics of Rajoy, the other president, which says has been catastrophic for Catalina. But the real question is, the breakaway from the EU and Spanish governments and the uh, impact on the financial markets, what will they be, as well as will we see uh, other countries and people within other countries push to move away from the European Union style of government towards what we're seeing as a more pro-independence, pro-liberty style of government. And 
I think it's something, um, you know, historic is really going on here. And John, you talked about, we've been talking about World War One um, over these documentaries that you've been watching. And you talk about how Europe, the lines of Europe were redrawn after World War One, And it's like we're seeing them, uh, you know, being redrawn again here, even from, you know, East Europe and, and parts of Asia from Russia and Ukraine now to um, West Europe with, with Spain. And who knows where it's going to stop, but it should be interesting to see. And again, I believe this would be one of the top stories oh, if it, it was not for what we have seen in Las it, Vegas. It absolutely would, and I'd like to submit to the listeners and viewers tonight that it is not going to stop. The title of tonight's show is Worldwide Humans Demand Liberty with our very special guests, Gerald Salente, followed by Gregory Manorino, and then, of course, as always in Hour 3 on Wednesdays, we're blessed to be joined by Pastor David Langford, but I'm so excited that Gerald Salente is coming up next, and I don't want to steal Mr. Salente's thunder, but humans worldwide demand liberty. Now, I'm going to place this in a spiritual context, but there's a financial context as well. In a spiritual context, humans have a natural a natural void in them, a, a space where a seed may be planted. And that seed is the seed of liberty that must be present in all people worldwide. And here's the reason why. Without that personal liberty, you cannot make a decision, you cannot make a choice for uh, Jesus Christ. You cannot make a proper choice to be a Christian and follow the path of Christ, which ultimately leads to an eternity with our Lord God Almighty. So it is one of the distinct strategies of the globalist tyrants to remove the liberty from humanity all over the globe. And I'll take this one step further, and I'm sure Mr. Salente will pick it up from there. The EU is a debt slavery scheme. That's what it is, and that's why I chuckled when you said the King of Spain was uh, a little miffed by what's going on, because the fact of the matter is there are over 500 million people in the EU. The EU was never voted on by popular vote or referendum and they are kept together by a debt-driven economy, and they are enslaved by the common currency, which is the euro, and frankly, the United States of America and the U.S. dollar via the petrodollar is not far behind. Joe? We got um, a guest coming on before Mr. Salente, and we're going to bring him on now. Not quite a guest, Joe. <laughs> All, All right, right John. No, all right, you, you got me? We got you loud and clear. Five by five, welcome. Uh, All right, good, good. Uh, Doug Hagman reporting from the field. I don't want to take any time away from Gerald Salini. I don't want to take any time away from you folks. I just want to let people know, look, uh, with respect to the Las Vegas shooting, just an update, uh, what Joe said, what John said, I was able to hear part of it. Uh, There's more to the story. I am right now. uh, Sometimes you just have to put the uh, rubber to the road. You've got to go out and you've got to make some contacts. Uh, use uh, unconventional uh, communications. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. We're getting information about a huge backstory that has yet to be said, um, yet to be uh, told about uh, about the shooter in the Las Vegas case. Uh, I want to make it clear. I want to make it perfectly clear. Everything that happened in terms of the deaths, the death toll, the injuries, the whole situation that did happen, you know, that there was mass carnage, that there was a mass shooting. However, with respect to the suspect, the uh, the alleged shooter in this case, there is a backstory that would uh, be reminiscent of of um, 
I'm going to say uh, Oswald to Barry Seal to uh, some of the Maynard dealings, Maynard, Arkansas dealings, to um, an incredible proprietary footprint by or fingerprint by the uh, uh, intelligence agency. I am absent from the studio, uh, abruptly leaving the studio to uh, leaving the studio to uh, actually make the contacts in the field to bring our listeners, the people tuned into this show, the exclusive information that will be developed from this contact. Uh, and in fact, multiple contacts, but one in particular in Las Vegas who's got uh, some information. And I'll just tease it with this: there's a lot of uh, video evidence that exists in Las Vegas. That has yet to be yet to see the light of day. There are a lot of records that were expunged before the shooting of the suspect. Two hints that should tell you as much as you need to know. I, I don't want to leave people hanging, but, but again, I don't want to take any time away from our guest. But just please stay tuned to the Hagman Report um, in the coming days. HomelandSecurityUS.com, HagmanReport.com, the show itself and all of our platforms because when this does see the light of day i do believe uh, that we are going to see something that um, uh, that's going to be earth shaking and i want to say this the reports of the isis connection and antifa look none of this has to be or nor is it mutually exclusive i just want to say that that uh, yes those are correct uh the motivation uh, regardless of the motivation um uh, there's more to the backstory from this from this alleged perpetrator, as well as, or that connects to uh, the family lineage. I'll say that as well. So don't rule out just because I'm doing what I'm doing and, and giving you the information that does not that's not meant to rule out the the Antifa literature, or the anarchist literature, or the communist or ISIS connections. Those. Again, it's not mutually, mutually exclusive. Um, I'm doing what I feel like I, I do best, and that's investigate. And, uh, again, I just wanted to pop in real quick just to give the listeners an update, uh, because this is, of course, what we get paid to do, right? This is what we, this is what we, uh, this is what we do for our listeners just to make sure that they've got the, uh, most cutting edge information, most accurate information. We don't have to be first, but we have to be correct. And that's all and, I wanted and- to say. Let me ask you one one quick question because I'm seeing <clears throat> conflicting reports. Do we have any further information on where the hundred thousand dollars to the Philippines went? I'm seeing multiple reports. Some are saying they were wired to the live-in girlfriend's home country, but they don't uh, specify. Uh, like this article from I, I, NBC News yeah. says, they don't know if it's her, her family, or for another purpose, telling me that they really don't know where the money went. Well, I can tell you. Well, I, I know where the uh, point of. Uh, uh, I know where the money was transferred to. I, I'm working tonight and, uh, for the foreseeable future to determine the disposition of the funds following that, um, uh, that the transfer. Okay. okay so uh, specifically, not with any degree of uh, specificity today, right now. I hope to know that here shortly. Well, thanks for calling in and, and, uh, with the updates and, um, we will, have you back here tomorrow, and we'll get into more of this as it as the information comes forward. Indeed, uh, folks, tune into tomorrow. Hagman, uh, Doug Hagman show at nine. Uh, Joe and John show at two to three, and of course the Hagman Report flagship uh, show from seven to nine or seven to ten. And uh, God bless our listeners. God bless Gerald Salenti, and of course all of the guests tonight. Thanks for uh, sitting in for me, John.
Good night. And God bless you. Uh, that was Doug Hagman, and he is uh, in the field this evening, uh, Northeast Intelligence Network and uh, Homeland Security U.S. Again, go to homelandsecurityus.com for the latest from Doug Hagman. But really, Doug is at his best. And frankly, Joe, I would say he's happiest when he is boots on the ground uh, burning some shoe leather and, and trying to get to the bottom of, of these these miasmas of narratives and, and fake news and real news and money transfers and and international drug running and is it the Philippines and Hong Kong and all the rest of it. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's where Doug Hagman likes to play ball. And you know what? He's good at it. And again, I'm honored to uh, sit in the uh, in the big chair tonight. So thank you, Doug, and thanks for checking in. Well, with us now is uh, Trends Journal's own Gerald Salente. Gerald Salente is the founder of the Trends Research Institute, the Trends Journal, and host of Trends in the News. Uh, he's been on Hagman Report before. A political atheist who's developed um, a, a excellent ability to forecast and manage trends. Mr. Salente, it's great to have you back on the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, I see that your summer issue of of uh, um, Trends Journal, you talk about market crash, market correction, and then you give the trend. Uh, let's start with the uh, with the market, the the U.S. market. We've seen a lot of volatility in the uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. If we can't start there, what's going on in the world of cryptocurrencies? We believe cryptocurrencies are real. It's the future. You have people like Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, saying it's a fraud. Well, he should know what a fraud is. I mean, after all, I mean, how about the six banks, the major banks that were convicted of fraud? But of course, nobody ever goes to jail for that. In a neo-feudal society, the economic elite get a free ride, as with the uh, political nobility, they only clamp down on us. But he's calling it a fraud because it's the end of banking. You don't need banksters anymore with cryptocurrency. And cryptocurrency, my generation, it was gold. The millennials, it's crypto. And for a lot of reasons. Take a trip to China. Bap, your app, you're paying. That's it. Boom. No cash. No in God we trust. They have no connection to it. And they're hip to the jive that fiat currencies aren't worth the digital paper they're not printed on. So why would you go with a digital currency or go with a fiat currency? Because central banks can keep printing all the fiat currencies they want, have nothing to back them up, but you have limitations on cryptocurrencies. So the younger generations see this as the future, and so do we. And so do other countries, like Japan. Just came out with the J-Coin, the digital currency. So some countries will fight it. Other countries will embrace it. But if we see it, it's just going to keep on growing. Are there going to be ups and downs? Of course there are. And the more ups and downs are going to happen, as like with China, when they banned the Bitcoin people from the Bitcoin exchanges from operating. But that doesn't mean we app isn't going to go in a different direction and people will still buy them. So we see the clampdown on governments, but we still see the rise of them. And I want to go back to China for one second. Cryptocurrencies got their big rise back in 2016 when over 90% of the market 
was driven by China. And do you know why? Because the yuan, the Chinese currency, was crashing. And people, again, I don't want to hold on to this thing. I got to go somewhere else. So they went into crypto. They went into Bitcoin. That's what drove Bitcoin prices up initially. Then China clamped down on it. Now South Korea, Japan, and other countries is driving it up. But going back to China, remember, they can't clamp down on Bitcoin when the yuan was crashing because people wanted an alternative. Guess what? Chinese exports are down. Their economy is slowing. We believe the Chinese are going to be devaluing their yuan to boost up their economy and have a debt-to-GDP ratio of 300. And they don't want people bailing out of yuan. That's why they're banning Bitcoin. Mr. Salente, uh, John Robertson here sitting in for Doug Hagman this evening, and thank you so much for joining us. And it is truly an honor to speak with you this evening, sir, particularly uh, at this juncture with where we're at uh, in the global news cycle. Uh, in fact, I titled this evening's show uh, In the Spirit of What I've Heard You Teach Over the Last Seven or Eight Years That I've Been Apprised of Your Work. And that is, of course, Worldwide Humans Demand Liberty. And, uh, Mr. Salente, two things come to mind. I'm going to shoot you with a two-part question here. The first is, I would love for you to comment on how accurate you have been, sir, going all the way back to 2010, uh, which is when I first became aware of your work, Trends Journal. Uh, people, the big question back then was, when is the big it going to happen? Okay, we were printing money around the clock. Was it going to be an economic implosion? Would it be an EMP? What on earth is going to happen? But... Astute, awake Americans, what we call red-pilled now, knew that an SHTF moment was coming. And you were emphatic back then. I never once heard you uh, digress from the point of view that the it is already happening. It's happening globally. It's happening around the world. So I'd like to ask you to comment uh, on what we see today, for example, in Spain. And then a second question, a follow-up question to that is, Regarding Bitcoin, I've read some interesting stuff lately that the newer generations, the millennials and the Gen Zers, are getting so into the virtual reality world, the whole VR um, uh, uh, quasi-world, if you will, that, that, that blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies are actually going to be the drivers of this this entire new virtual reality industry. Sorry for the, the sort of... Uh, uh, diversity in questions, but Mr. Salente? Yes, that's what I was saying. The millennials, Bitcoin is their goal. It's the same. My generation was gold. There's a, there's a cryptocurrency for the exact reasons that you said. And more, the world is going cashless. There's nothing there. Again, there's no in God we trust to hold up. You don't see, you don't touch it, you don't feel it. Why do I need it? I don't want to deal with it. I'll deal with something else. So that's why we see the growth in it. And it's very interesting you mentioned what's going on in Catalonia because you're one of the few people that's mentioning that. Could you imagine, and people have seen, I'm sure, the videos of these stormtroopers grabbing women by their hair. These aren't men. Men don't do that. These are little boys with cojones much smaller than a mothball that have to get off on being tough, dressed in black, and you can't see their face 
and want to punch your woman Amen. because they never punch out a guy man to man because they don't have it. So no, no criticism from the European Union. No criticism from the United States. The opposite. The people should not have the right to vote. They should be slaves under the global society. No outrage. Now let's turn this picture around. Let's suppose what happened in Catalonia last Sunday happened in Russia. And the Russian little boys were beating up little women and old men and women and smashing their faces to the ground and breaking down doors to take ballot boxes and stop them from voting. It would be all over the prostitute news. Look at those low-life, slimy Russians, they would be saying. But hey, not when it's a criminal in our game, man. This little boy, Rahoy, never worked a day in his life, the prime minister. A prime piece of crap. A little low-life. No outrage of this. The exact opposite. I'm glad you asked this question, because here's something to quote. This is from the French economy minister, Bruno Le Marie. I guess he's transgender, Bruno and Marie, because we don't know where this guy's coming from. He says, quote, all these decisions are matters of sovereign, of Spanish sovereignty. What would we say if the Spanish government started giving opinions on the situation in France? On the ways we handle issues of public order. All these decisions belong to the Spanish government and they are its exclusive responsibility. Hey, Junior, how about that little piece of crap Sarkozy who is the President of France that overthrew along with Barack the Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner Obama Hillary Clinton Samantha Power and Susan Rice that overthrew the Gaddafi government in Libya because we didn't like the way he was treating his people hey Bruno boy or is it girl how about what the United States did to Yugoslavia? They never even had a referendum. Oh, that was Slick Willie Clinton. Yeah, a murderer with a long history of bombing and slaughtering people in Iraq. 500,000 Iraqi children under the age of five. Hey, he wants to start a war and slaughter people because we don't like the way they're treating them. Then that's all right. Hey, I got another one for you. How about Assad has to go? Because we don't like the way he's treating his people over there in Syria. But yet, in full view of the entire world, these little boys of nothing beat up helpless women and old people, smash their faces to the ground, fire rubbed bullets at them, and no outrage. You're exactly right, Mr. Mr. Salente. And I want to follow up, ask you a follow up question on uh, Catalonia. What do you, uh, one? Do you see this as a domino effect 
of other countries having a, a, a populist type uh, revolution towards independence away from the EU? And then two, what will the uh, impacts on the financial markets, both from uh, the countries declaring independence and the EU be, if uh, we'll just say with Catalonia, and then if there is a domino effect? If Catalonia breaks away, and they're going to do everything they can to stop it, it will only have a negative, a minor negative effect on the euro for a short time. All the currencies are in problems. The only reason the dollar is strong is because the other problems going on. What people aren't talking about in Spain, you have, you know, the the uh, the younger generation is like 38 percent unemployment. You have about a 19 percent unemployment rate. All the money, and that's why the people are revolting. All the money's going to the one percent, and this isn't, you know, this isn't just talk. It's fact. Eight people have more dough in the world than half the world's population combined. In America, Obama used to brag, folks, and boy, did he focus really good because he lied his way into office, didn't do anything he said he was going to do. He goes on to say, you know, I created all those jobs. Oh, yeah, according to the Harvard-Princeton study, all those jobs you created, 94% of them temporary work. 51% 51% of American people working full-time are earning $30,000 a year or less. Oh, yeah, we have that high, un- high employment rate, yeah. But we all know, and they know on your show, that the labor force participation rate is at about, what, 38-year lows? And once you're not collecting unemployment, you're no longer counted. So going back to what's going on with the populist movement, the populist movement is a freedom movement. It's a movement against globalization and multinationalization. The only people that have benefited from these low interest rates are the companies that buy back their stocks and all the merger and acquisition activity. When I was a young guy, there was no such thing as hedge funds or private equity groups. There were laws against it. So we, the little people, could have an even shot at making it. No more. It's gone. And that's why they're revolting. They're going to do it in Spain. They're doing it in Italy. They're doing it in Austria. You just saw it happen in Germany with the AFD party, the alternative for Deutschland. And what do they call it? A right-wing radical party. Oh, right-wing radical party. We don't want a lot of foreigners coming into our country and destroying our heritage and our ethnicity. Why, how dare you say that? We should be all nothing. Oh, and nobody ever talks about, hey, why are all these Syrian, Iraqi, and Afghan and other refugees coming in? Huh? Let's put together a blue ribbon panel, pay our friends a lot of money, and they could come up with a BS solution rather than saying... (laughs) These are refugees from countries that the United States and its coalition of the killing have bombed into obliteration, and they have nowhere to go. And then go back to Libya. And again, we wrote this in our Trends Journal as it was happening in 2011. All of a sudden, 500,000 refugees leaving Libya after they got rid of Gaddafi. Gaddafi made a deal with Berlusconi in Italy that no refugees would be coming in, migrants 
flowing out of Africa. And his, and he warned, he warned the European Union, you get rid of me, you are going to have a migrant crisis that you won't be able to handle. What we have are psychopaths and sociopaths running a government near you. Mr. Salente, my goodness, uh, incendiary words from a noted political atheist. And, Mr. Salente, I know that, that you do, in fact, believe in the Lord God Almighty. And I was uh, just reminded, as you were uh, commenting, sir, on Deuteronomy 28, and for our listeners and viewers who do, from time to time, read the Bible, I always recommend reading Deuteronomy 28. It is a, it is a chapter in Deuteronomy that spells out one-third, the first third of the chapter, are the blessings of a nation that submits to God Almighty, and the last two-thirds are the curses. And I challenge any listener or viewer to the Hagman Report this evening to go through the last two-thirds of Deuteronomy 28 and match it to the New York Times, the USA Today, the Wall Street Journal, Le Monde, BBC, what have you, and... I challenge you to tell me that we are not exactly there today. Mr. Salente, I want to ask you a question about President Trump. Uh, I have been hoping, sir, for a big, fat Christmas present under the tree with a big red bow on it that looks something like I get to keep more of my money every week. Because to be honest, Gerald, the government, between the federal government, state taxes, and all the other hidden taxes, they're taking, they're taking more than half of what I earn a week. And at 45 years of age, it's tough to get ahead, sir. Do you think we have any chance whatsoever of a uh, a big fat Christmas president, a Christmas no, present from President no, unfortunately Trump? Unfortunately, not. You know, we again. You know, you mentioned about our forecasts over the years. I got it wrong after 2010. I thought the crash would happen, but I had no idea they'd make up because tracking trends is an understanding of where we are, how we got here, and where we're going. In the how we got here, there was never such a thing as quantitative easing and zero interest rate policy. So we made our forecast based on what was. Not making up these things that we're going to enrich the rich, lower the interest rates, which is basically a war on savers. Because we, the everyday people, have if we don't gamble in the markets, we have no place to put our money. And in the old days, you put your money in the bank, you get a nice return on it, certificates of deposit, and then you retire to Florida. Those days are gone. So going back to the tax cuts, unfortunately, and it's in the Trends Journal, and we were the first. I would challenge anybody on these two issues. In the Trends Journal in May of 2016, we called Trump a winner. It's right there in black and white. And a week after Trump got elected, we did a 180 on the economy and said, no, no, this market rally is real. And now we're going into, what, 11 months in, in just a couple of days and uh, in, in, in just, you know, seven days from now, it'll be a, it'll eight days, it'll be 11 months of the Trump rally. Why? Because it's fueling what kept the rally going and that is it's benefiting the rich. From what I know, in reading the little bit of information that's out there because they haven't put a lot out and I've read all of it. The tax breaks are going to benefit mostly those that need it the least and that is the billionaire club. 
and the big multinationals. You go back to Trump on the campaign trail. These people can't keep sending their money overseas. Yes, they can. Oh, tax it one time, and then you get a free ride again. You and I can't open up a business in the Cayman Islands. So, number two. We're going to do away with them estate tax. My father, may his dear soul rest in peace. Oof, I really benefited from those estate tax. He left me a 1977 AMC Eagle. And I could have killed the car guy that sold it to him. It was a piece of junk. So what do they do? Right now they have a tax on estate taxes. I think it's over. I, I'm not quite sure, but I think it's like around 3.5 million to 5 million. And after that you have to pay estate taxes. Not under the Trump plan. So the rich get to keep all their dough. And then you go back to Eisenhower years. I mean, even the Reagan years. There's these, the Buffets, the Gates, the Bezos. You know, all these people with their billions. They didn't have billionaires back then, multimillionaires. They had a tax rate of 90%. And now Trump is lowering it from 39.5 down to 35. So mostly what I see now, and then the other data... It, it's not going to help us much at all. Okay, uh, Mr. Salente, uh, in, in, in Trends Journal in the spring in 2016, you, you, you did predict uh, Trump would be president. We actually have a, a list of a number of uh, predictions that you've made over the years that have, have come true. And folks, go to uh, his website and uh, subscribe. Subscribe, listen to his show, Trends uh, research.com, trendsresearch.com. There you can get Trends Journal. That's the Trends Research Institute. And all the information is also on hagmanreport.com on, on the show write-up for today. Uh, Mr. Salani, I want to ask you this. We only have about two minutes left. How long do you expect this um, this confidence in the market to continue? Do you see this going through the holiday uh, season into the new year? October is always a rough month when, when things really go down. If it doesn't happen in October, probably won't happen until March. We're estimating a 10% correction, only because it's gone up so high. We don't see a crash, other than a wild card. What happened in Catalonia is a wild card, man-made, or made by Mother Nature with the hurricane. And the Trump card's a real wild card, so anything goes with that one. But absent a wild card event, yes, we of course we see a, a, a correction, but we don't see a crash. And October is the month that it usually happens. And again, you're looking at global data as well, and things aren't as bad as they used to be. You're looking at global trade going up. You're, you're looking at a lot of positive elements. And with the tax breaks, again, as long as the market stays strong, that keeps confidence up. And right now, business confidence is very high. So we don't see a crash coming absent a wild card. Okay. Well, Mr. Salente, you know, it is such a treat to have you join us on the Hagman Report. And during my tenure as the producer of the program, I was just amazed that we had not uh, been graced with your uh, knowledge and your prescience. And frankly, your cojones, sir. And I'd like to say something else before we let you go this evening. I am in full agreement with you about the optics we saw out of Catalonia. It does not take a man to strap on RoboCop Battle Rattle and bash a 55- or 65-year-old woman across the nose with a collapsible baton. A lot of bloody ballots went into the boxes in Catalonia, 
And my prayers go out to those people. And again, I titled the show in part with you in mind this evening, sir, and that is Worldwide Humans Demand Liberty. Folks, go to trendsresearch.com. Gerald Salente uh, has been our guest. He has been <laughs> correct on so many things. It's just unbelievable, not the least of which spring 2016 Trends Journal Trump would become president, and he certainly did, our 45th president of the United States, Donald sub- J. Trump. And subscribe to his YouTube channel, uh, Gerald Salente. There, uh, subscribe right to his YouTube channel and follow his updates. Mr. Salente, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on. Thank you, and thanks for all that you do. God bless you. We'll be right back after this network break. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288. 
PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two on this edition of the Hagman Report. We have guest Gregory Manorino coming up, and his website is Traders, uh, traderschoice.net, and we're going to get into um, a lot with, with Greg Manorino on uh, on this hour, and uh, he's a returning guest for folks who, who are familiar with him or may not be familiar with him, and he's a financial guy, and he's got a lot to get into. I want to make a, a quick note, because I know we have a few minutes before we bring him on, about the NFL, and this is something that we've been talking about a little bit, but I think it's worth the mention here. The NFL had one of its bigger sponsors um, drop out until next year, saying that they are not going to support an organization that does not stand up for um, for the country of America. And with all the recent uh, players who've been kneeling down and kind of protesting the national anthem, and the how ESPN and, and the NFL have, have become so politicized, we see that um, this is not the first, but now the second major advertiser to pull away from the NFL, and they continue to suffer from a ratings drop. And I just thought that while we're kind of in this uh, financial um, show, really, as Mr. Manorino is going to be joining us, that we should mention that because it looks like they're going to be going through some, uh, you know, I guess you could call it buyer's remorse or some uh, boycotting, and it looks like their numbers are, are taking a hit, and they might have to implement some different type of, of policies to make sure that they keep their fan base intact and to keep that revenue rolling. It was estimated before that last uh, advertiser split that they uh, the networks could potentially lose up to $200 million this season in advertising revenue, and they are not going to let that go uh, quietly, I'm, I'm sure of that. So maybe look for some changes in the NFL. No, the networks are going to hold on to that money with bloody fingers. But you know, Joe, I always hoped back when I was in high school that I would have the opportunity to sit before hundreds of thousands of people and slam a substitute teacher, and I'm going to do exactly that right now. Joe, we were going to cover this on the Hagman Daily Show today, and we just didn't get to it. But this is from uh, BostonCBSLocal.com. Substitute teacher kneels in classroom during Pledge of Allegiance. Now, I know we've got Mr. Manorino uh, about to join us, so I'll be brief. This is uh, uh, from Littleton in uh, Massachusetts. The principal of a Littleton school said substitute teacher had good intentions but should not have taken a knee while class recited the Pledge of Allegiance on Thursday. I'll leave the names out of it. but uh, Yeah, we're seeing this with teachers. I, with even uh, Pee Wee football players, you know, eight-year-olds, uh, and coaches encouraging it. It's it's a it's a it's a spiritual cancer mm-hmm. where people who have been so incredibly blessed by the freedoms that that my family, my uncles, granddaddies, and great granddaddies fought for. Joe, I know your family has got a military history as well. We have be, we've been so blessed, and we'll bring Mr. Manorino on here in a moment. And and you know I love I love Gregory Manorino because he's been at this game a long time, and he just tells it the way it is, uh, and he doesn't hold back. But this taking a knee stuff is a slap in the face. In my opinion, it is a slap in the face to all of the men and of late women who have put on the uniform and gone before us. Whether we should have been in the war or not, the bottom line is they went and they did it so that we would have the right 
to do these types of things, but we're also supposed to have the more the morality and frankly the class to refrain from doing so. Joe, why don't you go ahead and bring on Greg Manorino? Yeah, we have Mr. Manorino with us, and uh, again, he's a financial guy. He started working for the securities and trading arm of the now defunct Bear Stearns before the dot com bubble. He is an author as well, and folks, uh, all the links to his stuff, his YouTube channel, his website is on HagmanReport.com on the write-up for today. His website is TradersChoice.net. He also offers a uh, title of a book, One Rule You Must Never Break When Trading Stocks 100% for Free, on his website. Mr. Marinarino, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Um, There's a whole lot of places that we can uh, start today. So let's start with the U.S. economy. We see... um, that there is continued growth since the uh, Trump nomination and, and inauguration, and there's headlines, you know, uh, great again, holiday spending expecting to increase by 6%, optimism about economy at all-time high, stock market up 24% since the election. These are just a few financial headlines on Drudge. Do you continue to, uh, do you believe that we'll continue to see this high level of confidence in the market? As long as people can still borrow, um, you know, you talk about all these highs. Yeah, sure. The stock market's making record high after record high. This, this is no surprise, honestly, to anybody that's been following my work. When President, uh, President Trump was elected, I came out publicly telling everyone this market was going to go higher and higher. We're going to get record high after record high. Every time Janet Yellen or one of these freaks uh, from the Federal Reserve decides to open up their mouth. Uh, I've been telling everyone, watch this market's going to keep going higher. Uh, and, and that's exactly what we're seeing here. Again, we're in an environment where nothing is real. Um, maximum distortions. Now, the issue is not that, yeah, sure, we're getting record highs with regard to the stock market, but we're also at record highs with regard to global debt, national debt, personal debt. Uh, margin debt is, I mean, right now, we have never seen in the history of the stock market more participants who have buried themselves under debt just to participate in this market here. And the consumers themselves are buried beyond their eyeballs, uh, in debt here. So, you know, everything, <laughs> you can look at the stock market and be distracted. This is what most people do. I mean, it's just the game that's being played and say, hey, you know what? The Dow Jones Industrial Average just hit another record high, but it has no bearing on reality. It has no bearing on what's happening in our economy, despite the nonsense and the garbage that is being fist-fed to every single one of the zombies that wants to listen to it from the mainstream financial channels. Our economy is going nowhere. You only have to look at one spot now. I used to say two. Now it's only one place that you need to look to tell to make any sense that what I am saying is actually true, and that is the money velocity, the rate at which cash is moving through our economy. Right now, we are near historic lows. Historic lows. That means that cash is not changing hands. In a booming economy, just conversely, you would see cash moving from this person to that person to that business, but we're not seeing that. Um and also that means tax dollars aren't being collected either. So these these mainstream people, they can sit there and vomit whatever they want out of their mouths and keep people distracted. The fact of the matter is the stock market is where it is not 
on the back of valuations. Oh, oh, old stocks are fairly valued. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, we've only seen this several times before in the top of every bubble, which has subsequently burst. This is the Federal Reserve, who now, for the better part of a decade, has artificially suppressed interest rates and how anybody, any market participant, trader, and or otherwise, can believe that the environment we are in is real. In other words, the world central banks, the Federal Reserve, has taken the largest part of this market by exponents. The debt market artificially suppressed the, uh, the, 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 the price of debt and this caused malinvestments and cash to move into places where it shouldn't go uh, and cash to come out of things where it, it should be going into. So nothing is real. We're in existing in an environment of extremes. There's a big hole in the middle. That hole is going to fill. I don't know when. Frankly, I don't care. Um, I just what I'm trying to do is get people to understand what's going on and how they can capitalize on this. Look, you have a choice. People have a choice here. They can sit there like a deer in the headlights and do nothing, or they could say, "Hey, you know something? I can play this game too, just like the Wall Street banks are doing. In fact, better than they can." Uh, and and that's what we're doing. As a matter of fact, I mean, look, I'm not looking at toot my own horn here, but in all of the years that the Federal Reserve has talked about raising rates and what they were going to do, I was wrong once. I think I am probably the most accurate Fed predictor that you're ever going to find. They're an open book. I know exactly what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, and I've called their moves over and over and over except once. So, what can we expect? This is all going to get worse. This is going to get much, much worse before it gets better. So with that in mind, instead of laying down and being fleeced by these people, I'm saying, hey, you have a choice. Uh, and and there, are, there are many ways to do this. Look, our country here is at an inflection point with, you know, with the people kneeling and all the, all the stuff that's going on here. Um, and we can see this whole thing coming apart right under our noses, but no one's really paying attention. But I've been talking about what we're seeing now for years. This is part of the mechanism of the collapse that is going, it's actually really not a collapse. Let me rephrase. It's a correction to fair value. People everywhere are suffering. I don't want to hear about consumer confidence and all because it's, it's, first of all, it's not true. Whatever they're trying to force feed us, I, I, I've never gotten a phone call. Uh, and, and ask me about how I feel about things. And I, I bet most people who are listening have not either. This is all fabricated. It's all fake across the board to make people believe that we're in some type of, uh, you know, economic fantasy land here. Meanwhile, if that were the case, uh, how many people out here with a show of hands would believe that the Federal Reserve could at least have raised the federal funds rate a measly one quarter of one percent at the last FOMC meeting? I mean, there's proof right there that we're going nowhere. And the Fed is in a lot of trouble here with regard to their balance sheet, what they're talking about normalizing, their abnormal balance sheet. you got to be kidding me. Um, they're stuck here, and they're not going to do anything meaningful whatsoever moving forward. And that's why it's so simple to know what we need to do moving forward to capitalize on this. It's just insane. You know, Mr. Manorino, uh, John Robertson here sitting in for Doug Hagman this evening, who is uh, up to his eyeballs in investigative work regarding the tragedy in Las Vegas. But, you know, I have followed your work for years, and I've always loved uh, checking in on your YouTube channel and uh, and learning so much from you because you play hardball and you tell it like it is. Now, uh, mm -hmm. you, you literally took the words out of my mouth. 
when I hear, uh, okay, so holiday spending may be up 6%, it mm-hmm. reminds me of these, these yahoos that line up in front of Walmart for 20% off a flat screen TV, but they use a credit card that's 29.9% to buy it. Now, you mentioned velocity of money, and I want to try to keep this in layperson's terms so that we can really utilize our time with you tonight to drop some tools in our listeners' and viewers' toolboxes, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, what, you have, uh, what you've suggested thus far, and I agree with you completely, is that what used to be a clown show has turned into a clown car, okay? We've got one plastic uh, uh, talking head after another reading off the teleprompter telling us everything's great because the DJIA is continuing to go up, 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 almost like 1929 never happened, 1987, et cetera, et cetera. But you mentioned the velocity of money, and that simply means that the average American is not spending. The money is not moving around. Now, the question I'd like to ask you out of the gate tonight, uh, Gregory Manorino, is this. Have we reached a point with dollar devaluation with the Internet essentially uh, devastating uh, bilateral trade agreements that used to keep the dollar uh, artificially strong, with the decimation of the petrodollar most recently uh, in the announcement from Venezuela. Are we now at the point, Mr. Manorino, where we no longer even have metrics by which to measure how severe this problem is? Uh, the other day on the Hagman Daily Show, I suggested it's like we, we need to come together and build a house but we have to use a one million foot long tape measure to do so. Look, all I can tell people is simply this. We've never been here before. This is, we are living, we're living history um, and something is going to give at one particular point. Again, nothing is real. That's why I, I wrote this behind me. No matter what you want to look at, there, there there's no playbook here. Um, the Federal Reserve is an uncharted territory. They have they never had a plan ever to unwind their balance sheet or try to normalize anything. Never, never. So when you hear this kind of talk out of the mouth of Janet Yellen, um, b- believe me, she has not the slightest clue what she's talking about because there's no models. This is uncharted territory. No man or no woman has ever gone before. Um, and we also know this, and it's incredible because the Federal Reserve just admitted it. The Federal Reserve, and this is a challenge to everyone listening here, tell me one time where the Fed has been right about anything. Anything goes back as far as you want to go. They're never, they never are. They're, they always get it wrong. They're going to get this wrong, too. Just a couple of weeks ago, we heard from Janet Yellen herself. I mean, this should have been headlines across CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business, and everything else. She admitted that the Federal Reserve got it wrong. These are her words. Actually, she said may. May have gotten it wrong with regard to their uh, employment projections and their uh, inflation projections. But it went, like, under the radar. Are you kidding me? All of this... This monumental stimulus and, and adding digits to a screen, trillions of dollars of bad assets being bought off to the back of the banks, uh, and, and, and continuing suppression of the debt market, unlike anything that we've ever seen in history by exponents. And she got it wrong? And no one wants to talk about it? No one wants to cover this? It's insane. So you know what it is? It's the party. The party is still going on here. 
Um, just like it does before every single bursting of every single other bubble before it. There's always this big party. No one wants to leave the party. Everyone wants to keep it going. Then all of a sudden, from out of left field, some what seemingly insignificant thing happens, and then the whole thing unwinds. That's what we're going to get here at one point. And what, what, the, what I want people to understand is, I don't know another way to put this, and I, I try to think about it all the time. Um, we are going to face a, a biblical moment, um, literally a biblical moment, um, when the, the when once again we are faced with a moment where this corrects to fair value, because this time is different. Last time in 2008, well, people don't remember. They remember, hey, you know, the housing bubble popped, and then uh, that stock market fell. But what the real issue was then was the, the freezing up of the credit markets. And it was big businesses that were liquid could not transact. Now, that's going to happen again, but on a much grander scale at this particular when this particular event occurs. It's going to happen, just a matter of when. When that happens here, um, people are, are not going to have the ability to uh, get cash out of their bank ATMs. Uh, and nothing, nothing's going to work. Now, the issue at its core here, this is the core problem that nobody wants to talk about. And I've been talking about it for years. This is a resource problem. Okay, We continue to borrow from the future in greater and greater amounts just to sustain where we are. It is no secret that under the last few presidents we've had to double the national debt. This should just get, and our, our way of life has not gotten any better despite, <laughs> despite the fact that we keep burying ourselves in debt. This mechanism cannot ever stop. It's the debt-based economic model. It's what we have. We do not have a wealth-based system. That means that when this event occurs and this all corrects the fair value and we get a fair price for debt for which the Federal Reserve is suppressing, who knows what the actual market value is, we are going to see these interest rates spike rapidly. Uh, and that's going to put a huge amount of pressure on the stock market, which will sell off like people have no idea about. Um, and this is not just Greg Manorino saying this anymore. This is a guy by the name of Alan Greenspan who said that the credit markets are in a bubble recently. I swear to you, he sounds exactly like me. He must be watching my work because I've been saying this for years. So now we have a former Fed chair, you know, echoing what I've been saying here. But the issue here, again, at its core is a resource issue. We have watched the, the global debt hockey stick higher. This has caused a population boom, which has risen in tandem. When we can no longer borrow anymore, when we max out that credit card, when we hit that moment of maximum saturation, we are going to have a die-off of the population around the world. Millions of people are going to suffer here. That's why I can't stress this enough. It's going to be biblical. What we're already seeing in South America and other parts of the world is going to sweep the globe. So we're in the middle of it now. We're starting to see this happen. All right. Despite the fact that the Dow Jones Industrial is at a record high, uh, and people seem all, all like, hey, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Meanwhile, my credit cards all maxed out. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can't pay anything off here. Uh, my wages aren't increasing, although I do buy groceries and they're going up. Uh, you can just see the writing on the wall here. 
But this moment is fast approaching where our credit card is maxed out, where we can't borrow anymore, where the debt-based economic model hits a critical mass, and, and that's it. It's period the end, and that's where we're going to get this correction of the debt and the human population. Um, the Federal Reserve, in, in concert with the other world central banks, they, look, their product is debt. It's the only thing they offer. Their product is debt. Nothing more. That's how they function. They issue more and more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it. That's why it's not a wealth-based system. That's why the United States is the largest debtor nation in the history of the world. And that's why most citizens of the United States have a negative net worth. No one talks about that. Uh, oh, consumer confidence is really high. Meanwhile, let's see. Joe Schmo over here, if he zeroes out what he owes and what he earns and what he has, he's got a negative net worth. Most people exist like that. It's a pathetic, but that's the truth. That's just the mechanism of what is going on here. But the Fed, in concert with these other world central banks, have created an artificial environment that cannot be sustained. It's the same as if a farmer were to go out and, and, and start a pig farm. Uh, and, you know, everything's going well at first. He's borrowing on that credit card to sustain those pigs, to buy them food, to buy them what they need. All of a sudden, that, that farmer can't pay off that credit card bill. What's going to happen to the pigs? They're going to die. Uh, just like we're going to see around the world. Uh, the potential here for pandemonium on a global scale as the debt-based system melts down is, well, it's, it's a guaranteed fact. It is going to happen. The question only is when. Is it going to happen tomorrow? What's the event that's going to start this off? No one will ever know, but I can promise you this. It's going to be something that nobody is thinking about. It's going to come out of left field, and it's going to seem like an insignificant thing, and all of a sudden it's going to start a cascade of events because we are existing in a multiple bubble economy, and every single bubble is linked directly to the one next to it. So when one pops, we're going to get a cascade, pow, 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 down the line, and it's going to be very, very rapid when this does happen, and people have to be ready for it. You know, Greg, Greg, our, our guest is uh, Gregory Manorino this hour, and and you said something so profound, so frightening, and so true, sir, and that is that what is going to happen is going to be biblical in its proportion, in its ramification. And I want to reiterate for our listeners and viewers tonight, because this is very close to my heart, I have been what... Uh, what you could call preparedness-minded, well, really, uh, Mr. Manorino, going back to about the time I found your work, maybe 2009, 2010, something like that. But, but to reiterate, what you just explained to our listeners and viewers is that right now we are on what they call the hockey stick of debt, okay? So the debt is going up exponentially, and that's debt across the board, consumer debt, student loan debt, and even the national debt, if you look at George W. Bush, Barack Hussein Obama, and now President Donald J. Trump, you see that we are doubling the debt with every presidential administration. Now, if I heard you correctly, sir, as this hockey stick of debt goes almost vertical, we have a population explosion. Human beings have to eat. They have to have shelter. They need clean water and medicine that is commensurate to that. But when mm -hmm. that debt bubble pops, and it will pop. Look at the Baltic Dry Index last year. When that global credit freeze occurs, and believe me, Hagman listeners, it is not a matter of if. Like Mr. Manorino said, it's a matter of when. When that debt pops, then what we have is population death. Gregory? 
Without a doubt. They've re- I, I, please, I want people just go online and look at how the global population has paralleled the debt. They rise in tandem. This cannot, the debt cannot be sustained here. The Federal Reserve is doing everything that they can to move the uh, goalposts or whatever they need to do so they don't have to normalize policy. We have a, but we now, her coming out admitting that they got certain metrics wrong. There's nothing here that's real. So, um, the moment, the moment that this starts to normalize here, um, I mean, we're starting to see it now. I mean, you don't have to say where is it. It's happening. You know, the reason why most people in, in the United States are clueless is because they, they don't follow shows like yours. They sit there and they turn on CNN or any of these mainstream channels that they, that they, that every other word out of their mouth is Trump, 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 Trump. They don't focus on what's going on right across this border or across that border or in that part of the world. They don't even want to hear about it. And it's, it's a, it's brainwashing. They will not allow people to know what's going on. They don't want people to know that in Venezuela over here, people are eating zoo animals because they're starving. They're eating dogs and cats off of the street. Now, this is just not Venezuela. It's the parts of the world, too. This is occurring, and people aren't even seeing it because they're not being told about it. They think everything is fine, and they're focusing on nonsensical things. Look, it's all a distraction. Whatever the mainstream wants is showing you is a distraction because there's something else underneath it and there's something else underneath that and something else underneath that this is what they do it's a mechanism that has been used for as long as the media has been around the mainstream media is a tool uh, that has been used by governments throughout history to keep the people in line it's all about control that's all this is and most people Honestly, I'm going to say this on your show, and I've been saying this on my own show, cannot walk and chew gum at the same time, because they have been so dumbed down. They hear concepts like this, what we're talking about here, and they they don't think, they can't even hear it. It, 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 it. Some kind of a blindness occurs and deafness. They don't want to hear it. They, they dismiss these things. They think it can never happen, just like the last time. Oh, housing can only go up. And look what happened to people. They got melted down. They got kicked out into the streets. They lost everything while the Federal Reserve made the big banks whole. Uh, and these people got nothing. Then the Fed, what did they do? They reinflated a housing bubble. So now those toxic assets they're holding are actually worth something. Anybody find mm-hmm. it kind of interesting that now the Fed is talking about normalizing their balance sheet now that they've reinflated a housing bubble, now that they've reinflated a stock market bubble? It's insane. So, I mean, these are the kind of concepts that people, they can't think about. Gregory, they just can't do it. It's Gregory, we're up against our, our break, and uh, you just hit on a number of really important uh, issues that we're going to pick up on right when we get back after this three-minute network break. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report. Our guest, Gregory Manorino, <laughs> traderschoice.net is the website. Download his, the free book he offers, 100% free, right on there on his website, One Rule You Must Never Break When Trading Stocks. Take advantage of it. It's free. We'll be right back with Mr. Mandarino after this break. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. 
Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High quality items, made in America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow. It's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changewilsonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Gregory Manorino is our guest, and we're going to get back to him in just a moment. I want to bring you a quick word from Greenovative. And, Eric, sorry, I forgot to mention this to you during the break. Greenovative is uh, where you go to get power anytime, anywhere. Uh, they have their rechargeable uh, portable power device that you can place into the hands of, of anyone and recharge um, rechargeable batteries by, by the bag load. And, and folks go there to get their GMAG power pucks and check them out. Many people talk about going green, about saving energy, saving money. Greenovative.com is the place to do it. When things go bad, when the lights go out, you can have the ability to create power, uh, with their, with their rechargeable, uh, power pucks anytime, anywhere. And again, you'll be, uh, surprised at what can be operated by battery power. Folks, go to Greenovative.com. On there is the call-in number as well as the email to Alan Riggs, the owner, and 
You can call him if you have any questions. And they have a discount using the promo code HAGMAN. You get a a 12% discount on anything on the website using promo code HAGMAN. That's greenovative.com. You know, Joe, before we bring uh, Gregory Manorino back on, just a quick note uh, from the... uh from from headquarters, uh, HomelandSecurityUS.com is temporarily down, I believe. It's back up. Is it back up? Excellent. See how Excellent. fast information moves. Excellent news. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell I'll tell you. Uh, here at Team Hagman, information moves quickly. You you can get up and go from your desk to the restroom and come back, and a country's been overthrown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but pretty that, much. But that being said, our very special guest uh, for the uh, remainder of this hour is uh, Gregory Manorino. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to say personally, I, I, I just think he's a heck of a guy. You know, he, he, he plays hardball. He tells it like it is. He's not afraid to call people out for who they really are. And when he sees a clown show, he's not afraid to say, Hey, you know what? I hear circus music. Absolutely. And Greg, uh, before the break, you mentioned a number of important things. One of them being the just constant, uh, brainwashing and distractions that we see in the mainstream media. And we urge people here to, to not, and we even try ourselves not to be driven by the news cycle. Now on, um, it, when we have incidents like this Las Vegas shooter, you know, we have to cover this, um, to an extent, but there are, there is always other things going on behind the scenes that they don't want you to see and other distractions that are going on to cover up what they don't want you to see. And, and then tie that in with, uh, this hyper emotionalism and making decisions based on emotion instead of logic or reason. And this is, uh, I guess you would call it the recipe for disaster of not only what got us here, but what's going to continue to push us over the edge when we look at what you just talked about in the last segment, the unsustainable way that we live our lives through the debt-based economy instead of the wealth-based economy. And now that is uh, being continued to be driven by this hyper-emotionalism and distractions. And at this rate, um, and as you said, people believe, you know, the too-big-to-fail motto, is, uh, you know, really, they, they can't, they don't want to hear about the potential problems. They don't want to hear that their way of life is threatened or that, you know, we could go from living in a, in a first rate country to a, a third world survivalist nation in a week. They just want to go on as usual. And, um, my question to you is, do you believe that, you know, we could just be, uh, you know, so, uh, rocked to sleep by all these distractions that it hits us like a ton of bricks one day? And, and never comes back the way that, uh, I mean, say the, the world reserve, the U.S. dollar is lost as a world reserve currency or some other big financial calamity happens. Do you think that that could, um, you know, that that's just creeping up, uh, before anything else, like a war, uh, that we could just be hit with a huge, uh, economic issue and that could, uh, put us into a danger mode like we've never seen before? Well, that, there's no doubt about it. That is going to happen. Here's the, here's the issue here. Human behavior is a very curious thing. People, 90% of people do not rely on their intellect to carry out whatever they have to do throughout a day. They function off of passion, off of emotion. They can't control them. Uh, and that's the problem here. People are allowing their passions to become their masters. Whenever this happens in anything you want to do, I don't care if it's conversation with somebody, I don't care if it's whatever your job might be, when you allow that to happen, you lose, period. People today, I don't. I think probably more than ever in history, 
live in the moment. In other words, they don't think about what happened yesterday or last month. God forbid last year or five years ago. They don't think about the future to any extent that it will affect their lives. They want instant gratification. They want it now. This, and this leads to, you know, people burying themselves in debt, not willing to work for things. And this also is a way that the, the mainstream, look, there's no doubt about it that the mainstream financial channels understand human psychology. I practiced medicine for 20 years. I don't know how many people know that. Okay. So I know a thing or two about what I am saying here. So people don't, but people generally walk through life in this state of I need and I want now, not thinking about consequences. And that is how they are being manipulated by the mainstream. They understand human behavior. Say, okay, let's satisfy this need right now. Let's keep them distracted with this for as long as we want to. Let's just string them along. Because, you know, if we have them look over here, they're not going to look over here. You know, and, and again, this is this goes back in history as far as you want to go. And that's why I said earlier that today, People cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. From from a very early age, the the dumbing down process starts there, uh, and it just compounds as they get older. And you would hope uh, that some of these children, at least some, are being brought up in families of people of parents that do use their intellect, that are not driven by their passions, that are that are not you know overly emotional or hyper. Um, you know, and this is you know, just going back to the markets. This is what I try to take advantage of. Okay, I try, and you know, I try once in a while. I get a little emotional myself when I'm in a position and I'm making money or I'm losing money, whatever it might be. <laughs> but you got to get that out. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta not let your your emotions get involved here. And it's not an easy thing to do um as as a trader but what i'm trying to do is get into the mindset of the market what is the market thinking right now what are people going to do when they hear a certain uh, um news or anything like that i had brought up tesla i bought i bought tesla this morning right about at the open so as soon as it got it got an upgrade and um it finished up 2% today so i'm a happy guy um this is a, this is emotion this is people saying oh my goodness i got to get in here now i got to buy right now let's buy 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 it's an emotion. Will I hold the position tomorrow? I don't know. If I close it now, I get a nice profit. We'll see what happens tomorrow. If I, I'll look at the, I'll look at what people are thinking tomorrow. But it's the market. The market, like people, always overreacts massively one way or the other. The market is driven by two emotions: fear and greed. That's it. Fear, believe it or not is stronger than greed. And that's why when this whole thing starts to unwind, it's going to be extremely rapid as everyone is running for the door at the same time. But there's the other distraction. While everybody else is sitting there looking at the stock market, Greg Manorino, this guy sitting right here, and everyone that follows my my own blog knows where I look. I look at the bond market. I told everyone about a week or two ago, I said, people, cash is coming out of the bond market. It's coming, look, look at the yield. The 10 year yield is going higher. Something is going to happen with the stock market is going to go higher. How did I know that? Well, it's very simple deduction. <laughs> Again, this goes back to human emotions. People want to put their cash somewhere. It's coming out of the debt market. It's not going to go into precious metals in this environment. So where is it going to go? It's going to go into the stock market. So people that have been following my work, everybody is making a lot of cash here. 
because uh, they knew what was going to happen before it did. It's just a simple thing to look at, see where cash is moving, realize it's not going to go to money heaven. It's simply going to go someplace else. And that plays into the whole scenario. And let me outline this real quick. How this is going to unfold at one particular time. If anyone knows my work, I say you need to become your own central bank and bet against the debt. That means get out of the dollar. The dollar is a debt instrument. Fiat currency is all a debt instrument. You need to look for dollar alternatives. My favorites of them all, and I'm into cryptocurrencies too, you probably know that if you follow my work, is gold and more specifically silver. Right now, we're in an environment of risk. The Fed has created and continues to foster this environment of risk. So we have the market going up, 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 stocks, okay? And we have the suppressed assets, gold and silver, at the bottom. We've seen this before. And then they rotate back and forth, you know, every 10 years or whatever it might be. There's a cycle that just keeps repeating itself. Right now, we're in this risk on, risk off. Risk off at the bottom being gold and silver. This is going to reverse. So... What's going to end up happening here, and again, don't listen to Greg Manorino anymore. Listen to Alan Greenspan, former Fed president, chairperson, Alan Greenspan. He's saying that's in a bubble, like I've been saying. The debt's in a bubble. That means it has a potential to sell off rapidly. So this rising in rates that we've been seeing, this is nothing. This is nothing yet. Nothing to get shook up about. I promise to keep everybody on top of it who follows my work. But we're going to reach a point where that debt market starts to sell off very, very rapidly because it's in a bubble. People are going to go running for the door. That's going to spike interest rates. Interest rates are going to spike rapidly. When that happens, and just as the inverse as what happened now, that's going to put a huge amount of pressure on the stock market. You're going to get simultaneous sell-off here. Debt market selling off rapidly. Stock market selling off rapidly. Now, all this cash, since you just heard me say, it's not going to go to money heaven. It's going to go someplace else. It's going to make its way in a wave over into suppressed assets. And that's going to be gold and silver. And they are going to reach highs at one particular point. I don't know when that is that people are not going to believe. So right now, uh, these <laughs> gold and silver are on sale. They are on sale, and I, I hope the sale lasts another, I don't know how many years. As long as it's where it is, I will continue to buy. I've been buying silver since it was uh, I, either 6 or $8. I will continue to buy until I can't buy it anymore Amen. because I know that's where I need to be, betting against the debt, becoming my own central bank, period. I don't want to hear, oh, silver's not doing much of anything. These are not trades, everybody. You know that. These are longer-term investments. You want to trade? Open up a, a brokerage account and start trading GLD, SLD. These are not real. There's no price discovery mechanism at all behind these things. So you want to play with that? Be my guest. I don't even really play with it. Once in a blue moon, I'll play with it, but they're not real. <laughs> but that's how it's going to play out. Cash leaving the bond market. Put a, a yield spike. Put pressure on the stock market. That cash is going to simply go into suppressed assets, period. Um, but again, the main issue here is the resource problem. People aren't going to be able to live like they're living right now. Uh, we are going to watch wars break out, civil wars break out, uh, people against each other on the streets, uh, You know, try, people trying to feed their families, feed their children. They're going to get pretty desperate. So you better be ready for this. And I don't care where you live in the United States. If, as a matter of fact, if you live in a really ritzy area, I'd be more worried than any, everybody else. Because where are people going to go when they need things? When the general population here, including the police, are starving in a worst-case scenario here, which has a very high potential to play out. 
they're all going to go to your neighborhood living on Beverly, in Beverly Hills or West Palm Beach in one of those ritzy houses over there. That's where they're going, right to you. You better believe uh, it. You know, uh, we see yeah. this in Caracas, Venezuela at this time. And I want to implore all of the Hagman listeners and viewers who have joined us this evening, and thank you so much for choosing to spend uh, your time with us this evening. If you are allowing your passions to become your masters, then you need to come correct and realize that you are in error and that you have you have substituted your God-given critical thinking skills for hyper-emotionalism. And that's why we bring guests like Gregory Manorino on who can explain that guess what the two most powerful motivators are? Fear and greed. In that order. And let's stop and just consider for a moment. I'm not going to sermonize, but just uh, do a little homework later this evening. What does the Bible have to say about the two things that Mr. Manorino just pointed out? Fear and greed. And lastly, when it comes to precious metals, uh, Mr. Manorino, I want to uh, just say a personal thanks to you as well as to others like Gerald Salente. Uh, and uh, I remember the National Inflation Association back in like 2009, 2010. There were some others who, uh, oh, uh, the James Wesley Rawls, the man who wrote the Patriot series for sure. Uh, I learned very simply this. And I want to, I want to give the listeners a quick primer on this. And then, uh, Mr. Manorino, I'm going to ask that you would be kind enough to take your last 10 or 15 minutes with us to put some, some tangible tools in our listeners and viewers' toolboxes, things that they can start tomorrow to at least, uh, take some of the sting out of the horror show that we've been discussing for the last 45 minutes. You said, become your own central bank and bet against the debt. And, and this is how quickly I figured this out. In 1964, or 1963, or 1956, or 1938, whatever coins you carried around in your pocket was was your pocket change, and people called it silver. You know, like how what you know how much silver are you carrying on you? Why? Because dimes, quarters, half dollars, and dollars were 90% silver. In 1965, that changed, and there is no silver in a 1965 quarter, dime, or half dollar. So it is this simple. When you look at silver today, silver today, uh, Mr. Manorino is at what, about 16 and change? I was, something like that. I was buying silver all day long back in 2010, 2011 at 30 and 35 bucks an ounce. And guess what? I was stacking then and I'm stacking now. And I, and I have no regrets about it whatsoever. Even scripture tells us all of the gold is mine, says the Lord. The silver and gold is mine, saith the Lord. And I'll tell you one other thing that's, uh, just kind of a nice perk to uh, getting into precious metal. And, and I've purchased a little gold here and there, but I, I, I live at a level where I can maybe get a, I pick up a half ounce every, every now and again. But you know, when you buy that silver and you do so consistently, even if you pick up, even if you cash your paycheck and buy four or five ounces, I mean, what is that, a hundred bucks uh, with where silver is right now, over time, you have this savings account that I bet most of the listeners and viewer, viewers heretofore have never had. And, and you've been freed from living check to check. And you're doing exactly what our guest this hour, Gregory Manorino, is suggesting. You're doing what? You're becoming your own central bank, and you're betting against the debt. Uh, Gregory Manorino, if you would, just take a few moments, man. Let's give our listeners and, and viewers some, some tangible tools. Uh, I want to pick your brain. Tell our listeners and viewers what they can do starting tomorrow to... Uh, take some of the sting out of this horror show well <laughs> become your essential bank and bet against the debt um, the dollar is a dying asset in, in my opinion but people fail to realize is the dollar peaked out in December 
And despite the recent, and I told everyone it was happening. I outlined it. I, I literally, I think, covered this to the point of nauseam, what was going on with the dollar. Um, and up until recently, up until maybe a month ago, as a matter of fact, the doctor, the dollar continued that, that downward spiral with little, little bounces. Nothing ever goes in a linear fashion. There's always a little bounce. But the dollar had been doing this all the way down, 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 down. Uh, we saw a bounce in the dollar. Uh, which I think is just about had it. Uh, the dollar started rebounding about a month ago. I, I'm pr- if we're not at a top with regard to the dollar value right now, um, it's got to be darn close. And the reason for that is, again, logically simple. Uh, none of this is that complicated. When we now, we now understand that the Fed is going to do whatever it takes to create inflation. This is not my words. This is one of the Fed presidents, I think it was a William Dudley, who came out saying, we're going to do whatever it takes to create inflation. That means they're going to print. They're going to add digits to a screen. They're going to keep flooding the world with more and more paper and, di- and digital f- funny money, whatever you want to call it. But it's not going to work. What people have to realize, it's not going to work. Uh, and the Fed, I, I can't imagine they're this stupid. Why is it not going to work? The Federal Reserve, as far as I can, I'm concerned right now, could literally double the money supply right now well as i am talking and nothing would happen with regard to inflation do you know why it goes back to the money velocity like we were talking about before if the cash isn't moving we're not going to create inflation now i know that janet yellen and the rest of the fed freaks know this but they won't tell anybody this but i'm i'm pretty sure the fed is going to continue to do what they do they're going to try to melt down the dollar and they're going to overshoot big time because look there's a lot of dollars out there that are not here in the United States. Most of it is, in fact, outside the United States. There's going to be a point here. It's just so simple. When the cash does start to move, when is the cash going to start to move? That's the next question people should be asking. Okay, Greg, you said there's no cash moving. When's it going to move? Very simple. Watch the bond market, like I always say, because that's the biggest market. It's what every single asset that you want to look at. Prices off of what's going on in the bond market. Okay, this is why I focus on the bond market, the 10 year yield more specifically, for anyone who's interested. At one point here, when you start getting that sell off here in the bond market, which is going to happen and rates, uh, rates spike on their own, cash is going to start to move. When, when that action starts to put pressure on the stock market, cash is going to start to move. When cash starts to move, it's going to, all these extra bills that the Fed's printing today and whatever that exists all over the world is going to start chasing the same amount of goods and you do not need to be a rocket scientist to figure out what that's going to mean. Uh, the, the dollar has a, a very high potential to hyperinflate. The Fed is going to get this wrong. They're not going to normalize their balance sheet. That's why the, the market has hit another record high today. Everybody knows it. The only people that don't know it are the people that are watching CNN and Fox Business and whatever else. They're, they're the people that have been dumbed down beyond the point of recognition. I'm surprised they even know they're alive, half of these people. They probably don't. But um, this is what they're going to do. Um, and how do you protect... Look. Nothing is going to be able to prevent people from the carnage that has the potential to unfold around the world when the when the debt-based system freezes, when it's, it's over and they can't access whatever cash that they think that's in their account. See, that's another thing. I talk to people every day who believe that the cash that's in their bank account over there, people believe, oh, I got, I got 10 grand in the bank over there, so I'm okay. 
Really? Well, have you ever heard of the fractional reserve system? Then they look at me like I got 50 heads, their eyeballs start crossing in their head, and they start talking about the Kardashians or something. You know, this is how people function. They fall back onto that. It's their fallback. It's their fail-safe. They don't want to hear it. Um, but it's the truth. So look, financially, from that kind of a standpoint here, Look for dollar alternatives. I don't, if you don't want to trade this market, that's fine. It takes a certain type of person to do this that has a lot of time to dedicate to it. Without exaggeration, I put in 80 to 100 hours a week into trading. That's what I do. You can't just sit here and, and put money in uh, XYZ and expect that you're going to be rich by next month. Ain't going to happen. I don't care who, 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 how much you think that's going to happen. It's not going to. If you're not willing to put the time in, you're dead. Forget it. Don't even think about it. However, the easy way to do this, bet against the, this debt, become your own central bank. Understand that you need to be out of the dollar. Seek dollar alternatives. Seek alternatives to the euro, whatever other currency is being issued by your central bank. Look for decentralized assets. For example, I hate using this term here, cryptocurrency. Don't think of it as cryptocurrency. People are looking at Bitcoin. I've been telling people what Bitcoin's going to When Bitcoin was at 1800 I tell everyone, stop buying this stuff. Stop buying it. My target's 5000 That's my initial target. Then it's going to ten. Uh, in my opinion here. Don't think of it as, oh, it's a currency. Think of it as an asset, okay? It's an asset right now, whether you want to believe it's a tulip mania or what. It's making a lot of people rich, me included. So people need to be in dollar alternatives. Find one that you believe in. Look, silver. Silver is it. If I had one asset and one asset only to invest in, of anything on the entire spectrum, it would be physical Silver, hoard it, grab it, like you were saying before. Grab, grab a couple here and there. Just keep adding to it. That's it. Gold is nice. I love it. I own it. Platinum is is nice. It's lovely. I own it. Palladium is nice. I love it. I own it. But silver is where people need to be if they're looking for one thing. What would Greg Manorino say to buy silver? Absolutely. Greg, we only got about two and a half minutes left. And um, uh, that was excellent what you just said right there. And I agree, silver. I love silver as an investment. Not that I'm some financial guy, but it's it's practical. It makes sense, and it's affordable too. Um, mm-hmm. But in the in the two and a half minutes left, I just want to ask you this. Obviously, the I've heard that um, <clears throat> the uh, quantitative easing, the the Fed's printing of the money uh, backed by nothing, was one of the last real moves that they had besides interest rates. Is there any real recourse the feds can take to fix this economy, or are they just, you know, basically uh, putting band-aids on the Titanic? They can't fix anything. They can't do anything. They can't allow rates to normalize. The Fed is going to have to continue to buy the debt. Does anybody here listening with a show of hands ever think about how the Federal Reserve keeps rates where they are? Do they just say it? Does Janet Yellen just say, you know what, I think I'm going to keep interest rates low today? No, she's not. She has no power. She has no magic. She has to continue to buy the debt. Quantitative easing never stopped. It's it's going on today as we're speaking. The Fed is continuing to buy the debt. If the Fed were not buying the debt, rates would normalize on their own. Does anybody here, again with the show of hands, believe that the 10-year yield would be 2.33? It just wouldn't. We have no way to gauge what the actual... Yield would be, it may be 6, 8, 10, 15, 20. Nobody knows. 
It's it's like no man's land, like everything else. There's going to be a moment here. Look, I know I have a minute left, but what people need to understand, all of these markets, currencies, debt, the stock market, housing, silver, gold, pick them, any asset you want to talk about, the markets have one job. One job, and that is to determine fair value. When you have a world central bank like the Federal Reserve, such as, that is taking the largest part and in artificially suppressing interest rates for the better part of a decade. And you already know, like I told you, that everything prices off what's going on here in the debt market. So if that's happening, the price of everything is fake and nothing is real. Wow. Uh, Gregory Manorino, thank you so much for joining us. Traderschoice.net is the website. Uh, folks, go there, get his free book. And uh, are you still doing the, the YouTube channel trade game? Uh, I have a few videos there. It's, it's a beginning series on how to trade. Please watch that. My, follow my work on YouTube. I'm kind of everywhere. I, have, I write an article on Steam at two once a day. It's really easy for people to find me. Go to my website. Everything's there. <laughs> and, folks, uh, yeah, go to Greg's website, traderschoice.net and if you go to the write up for today's show everything is listed under Greg Manorio from his website to the YouTube channel uh, to all of his history and his other appearances on a number of other uh, media outlets uh, some very well known to us thank you so much Gregory Manorino brother you rock thank you it's great to be here we'll be right back with Pastor David Langford after this break don't go anywhere just what kind of thriller predicts the future In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. 
you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. edition of the Hagman Report. Each and every Wednesday in our third hour, we are joined by Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com, and he is with us now. Just a quick note to everybody out there, uh, the reason John is co-hosting and filling in for my father is he is out in the field doing some investigations, gathering some info on the Las Vegas situation, so he will be back tomorrow to report that. Um, just wanted to give that out there so for people who might have missed it earlier. But Pastor Langford, it's uh, it's great to have you back on. It's a great joy to be with you and John tonight. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's so much in the news. Um, the obviously Las Vegas attack is what has been dominating the news cycle since it happened on Sunday evening, and there is um, a, a number of other things going on. Um, Pastor, what's your initial reaction to the Las Vegas attacks? Well, uh, the Lord has put something in my spirit. Uh, now is certainly the time to press inward to Christ. It's imperative that we leave all the distractions alone because Satan is a master of disguise and of deceit. And the last uh, two days I've had something in my spirit from Amos chapter 4. I want to quickly, if we possibly can tonight, to exegete that passage. What people need to understand is our world is not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. I don't say that to be pessimistic. I don't say that to be doom and gloom. I say that because the Word of God has told me that. And the world is going to become so vile, so wicked, so corrupt, one of the judgments of God is going to be to allow the Antichrist to arise. This man is after the working of Satan, Second Thessalonians 2, uh, 9, after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth or the love of Jesus. We've all witnessed the carnage, uh, the mayhem, and my first thought, you've heard me say this, uh, Joe, many times, is where did these lost, or let me say it like this, where did these souls go when they went out into eternity? If they do not know Christ, they went out into eternity lost. Now, I know there are those out there who are saying that when you die, you go to the grave, that's the end, you have no knowledge. Your body ceases to exist. Your body may have no knowledge 
but your soul and your spirit goes out into eternity. Because in Luke chapter 16, which is not a parable, the rich man died, he went to hell. He was tormented, he felt the flames, he was thirsty, he besought Abraham that he would allow Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool his tongue. Lazarus, the Bible said, was comforted. Why? Because he was in Abraham's bosom. He was in a place better known as paradise. Why was he comforted? Because all of his life he had suffered. But he was a Christian. Thus, when he died, he went to Abraham's bosom. But I want to go quickly to Amos chapter 4. I'm going to go verse by verse. And anytime you or John want to jump in, would be perfectly fine with me. Okay. But this is the passage that God wanted me to share because it speaks of what God does. And though God is long-suffering and allows judgments to come in the land, Israel never repented of their sins. Uh, Amos chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountains of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring, and let us drink. Now this is a metaphor, and it refers to the upper class of women of Samaria who felt there was nothing wrong in oppressing the poor. Now I know that may sound derogatory, demeaning, and condescending. I do not mean that, neither does the Word of God mean that when he uses the phrase here, ye kind. Now how do we how do we know that to be factual? Hosea four sixteen says, For Israel slidden back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. So he referred to Israel as a backsliding heifer, which would be a backsliding female cow. So I hope no one gets offended at the, the, the verbiage here that God is using in this metaphor. Now we know that to be factual because cows do not oppress the poor. A cow could never do that. But he's talking about people like Maxine Waters, Elizabeth Warren, and Nancy Pelosi. And they oppress the poor, and they crush the needy, which say to their masters, which they're talking to their husbands. And uh, this this suggests that the, the, the oppressions that were practiced was by their husbands only to satisfy the wives' demands. Amos warned them they would indeed, indeed be treated like cattle when the captors of Samaria would sort them out for slavery. So this is a prophetic warning. Then he goes down to verse 2. The Lord hath sworn by his holiness that, lo, the days shall come upon you, that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. When the Syrians came, they, they seized them, or I should say the Assyrians, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an archaeological fact that there are monuments uh, where we see the captives with literal hooks and their nose. You've heard that phrase, with, she put a hook in his nose, and now she leads him everywhere around. Well, this is what happens when sin begins to dominate, and sin begins to dictate in our lives. Uh, I want to share a passage in Second Chronicles 33, beginning at verse 9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err, and to do worse, now listen to this, and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns, 
bound him with fetters, and carried him into Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him. The Lord heard his prayer, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Uh, it's going to take a great calamity. I heard the previous speaker on the, on the program tonight talk about something of biblical proportions. Um, I said the last time I was on the Jim Baker show, there was something coming that's going to catch us all completely unawares. If Hillary Clinton would have been assassinated, a faction would have cheered her uh, death. Uh, Obama, they would have cheered her death. There's many today. If Trump were assassinated, many would cheer. Whatever this event that is that's going to come, all of us are going to be negatively affected by it. And then he went on to say, your posterity, the remnant, your, your children, they're going to be... Uh, uh, took away with fish hooks. And some scholars believe that they led them with fish hooks in their mouths. So just like they had caught a fish in, in captivity. Verse 3, And he shall go out at the breaches every cow at that which is before her, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. And we know cows don't live in a palace, so we got to understand. He again here is talking about rebellious women who are, are, are breaking through the breaches. And, 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 and what he's saying, they're not going to go through the gates. They're not going to come out the gates. They're going to through the breaches that are in the buildings and in the walls. Now, why is this? I was doing some very in-depth study today, and it, it is so that they will go quietly in a straight line with hooks either in their noses or hooks in their lips. There's a reason that Amos is so uh, demonstrative in, in explaining just how graphic and how gross this is going to be. And we're witnessing, now think about this, we're witnessing more and more people with metal in their mouths, metal in their lips, and metal in their noses. When I was reading this today and beginning to search this out, I thought, my God, it's just those sub subconsciously people are gearing themselves up to be led into some type of captivity some type of bondage. Verse 4. Come to Bethel. Bethel always means the house of God. And transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. And bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. What, 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 what is he saying here? Well, this would be, uh, as we know today, the divine irony, as though it meant come to the house of God and multiply your transgressions. And that is exactly what we're witnessing in churches today. Come on, you sodomites. Come on, you adulterers. Come on, fornicators. Come to the house of God. We're not going to say anything. Live your raunchy, randy, rancid lifestyles. We won't say a word and magnify your sins in the house of God. And they're able to do that because preachers have an unwillingness to preach against sin. But when you hear the purported America's pastor say, God did not call me to preach against sin, what you're listening to there is a reprobate. That's like me telling my child when they were little, God never told me to teach you to not lie. So I let them from the time they're two and a half years old, stealing cookies out of the cookie jar, and I catch them and they say, but dad, I didn't eat any cookies. Okay, I believe you. Go ahead. 
I'm teaching that child it is all right to live a life of a lie. I'm teaching that child this, uh, deception is, is perfectly all right. You don't have to worry about any kind of accountability. And what do you breed? You, you have bred a, a rebel. You, you're, you're bringing up a child that only knows how to connive and cheat and rob and steal, and father and mother endorse it, embrace it, say, it's okay, just go ahead and magnify your sins while in the home. And that's what they were saying. That's why God said to Israel, come on down to Bethel, come on down to the house of God and your transgressions. Multiply your transgressions. Go ahead and bring your sacrifices. Yeah, offer them up every morning. Bring your tithes, by the way. And we've got to take care of the lying, thieving priest who don't do the right things, but they'll still take your money. Yeah, it's kind of tough preaching tonight, isn't it? Verse 5, and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, and proclaim and publish the free offerings. For this liketh you, O children of Israel, saith the Lord. And that phrase, for this liketh you, what is he saying here is that you love to have it this way. You think this is great that you can confess, I'm a Christian, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, but I can still raise all the hell. I can live in my immorality. I can still get drunk at a whim, at a caprice. I can do anything I want to do, and I'm still right with God. This is what Amos is saying. I'm trying to exegete this in a, in a simplistic way because I want you to understand. God is allowing men's hearts to become hardened. See? Second uh, Thessalonians 2.11 says, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion." that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, I, I, I wept today as I watched a, uh, a church in Las Vegas, and they were in there singing Amazing Grace. And I, I wasn't weeping because of the crowd. I was weeping because I know there were souls who were lost and are in hell tonight. That's why I was weeping. And they're singing a song about amazing grace that taught my heart to fear. You see, people will sing that, but they have no understanding of the words. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust." We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Christ Jesus. So Paul says, grace teaches me to fear God. Grace teaches me that I ought to reverence God, and I should not live a lifestyle that's corrupt. I, I thought about so many of those uh, young people. One young, one young man, he, he covered his girlfriend. Uh, he got shot, he got killed, and he protected her. But my question was, sir, was it right with your soul? Were you too fornicating? Did you go out into eternity as a fornicator? Or did you go out into eternity practicing celibacy, keeping your heart pure before God? I don't have those answers. Only God has those answers. But my mind, as a minister, I'm always concerned, where did these people go? Where did they go when they left the earth? Their, oh, yeah, their body, their remains go back to the earth from which it came. But the person on the inside, where did they go? Now listen to the litany of things that God has said he has done and is going to do to Israel because they live 
in sin, yet they go to the house of God, they pay their tithes, they offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and they continue in their sins. He says in verse 6, Amos 4, 6, And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. What does that mean? I have sent famine. You couldn't find a morsel of bread, a crumb, a salad stuck in between your teeth. Your teeth are absolutely clean in all of your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet, have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I want you to think about that. God said, I have sent famine. I have put a, a place of famine in your life where you don't have food, you don't have bread, you don't have water. And what is your response? You still spurn my words. You still reject my plea. You still reject my call. I've watched some of the the videos in Puerto Rico and, and how these people have no water, have no bread. And who are they blaming? The government, of course. It's It's always... The government. And this is why people need to understand if the government ever gives you anything, they can certainly take it away from you. The, the, the church's responsibility was, was to be benevolent and take care of the communities. But you know the problem? We don't have those kind of churches anymore because people don't go and they don't give where, where the church can be benevolent and have food banks and, 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 and places of shelter and, and try to get people back on the right path because it's all commercialized, to say the least. Verse 7, And I also have withholden the rain from you, when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. Now, you know, some years ago we saw this uh, in, in the southeast. Uh, they, there, was a, there was a lake in, in the state of Georgia that almost completely uh, dried up, and it, it was a great reservoir for many of the cities in and around Atlanta. And, and there was talk if, if we didn't soon get rain. And it's amazing how when that finally gets, you know, the cities, the states get that destitute, that somebody with a little bit of courage will say, well, maybe we need to pray for water. Maybe we actually need to ask God to send rain. And that's exactly what God said to Israel in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. Uh, let me look back up to verse 13. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, not the world, but he said my people, those who profess to be redeemed, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Speaking of the house of God. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7 was when Solomon was dedicating the newly built temple during the Feast of Tabernacles, he was dedicating the temple to Jehovah for his glory to come, and God's glory did fall. And the glory was so heavy, so powerful, that the nobody could, could continue to minister. And, and so uh, this is how God appeared to Solomon by night uh, after the uh, dedication of the temple of God. And this is what he told him. 
You know, if I shut up the heavens and I send locusts and, and the land is devoured, if, if my people, the, the people who profess, they know me as Lord, they know me as Savior, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that's very important, seeking God's face. You see, too many times we seek God's hand because we want God to open a door, God shut a door. Uh, God deal with my wife, don't deal with me. Or God deal with my husband, don't deal with me. We're always asking God to do something for us, move an object, do this. But when you seek God's face, you're desirous, you're hungry, you're thirsty for intimacy. Uh, Psalms 105.3 said, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. You see, we all know as Christians, and Israel should have known it, he promised them in Deuteronomy chapter 28, only 14 verses where he spoke of divine blessings. God makes it so simple to live right, you'll just be unbelievably blessed. But then there are 54 verses in Deuteronomy 28 that speak of judgment and curses and plagues and diseases and all sorts of calamities. So the ratio is almost one to five that God is saying, if you'll just live right and do the right things, I will bless you. And as I said, uh, we watched a few years back, I don't remember exactly how long now, I know some of you remember it, how the, uh, the, the drought got so bad here in the southeast. I believe we're going to see, in, 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 a, in a moment of time, one calamity after another. And, you know, we're kind of in that mode right now with Irma, with Harvey, uh, Puerto Rico, Texas, Florida. There, there's a lot of things going on. And, and one thing I'm not hearing is repentance. I, I, I appreciate I've given in many different places uh, to help those who are in need. Uh, I've helped different ministries, different works. I, I don't talk about it on the air. I just give because I believe in giving and, and supporting people who are doing what I'm not able to do. And so I'm always willing to give to ministries and ministers who I know are in Florida, who I know are in Texas, who are bringing food, bringing help, putting on roofs. We, we've done a lot in the last 30 days ourselves, our ministry, and me personally. We, we, we tithe off of our ministry, so we, we, don't, we don't hoard it up. We, we give out of that to bless other people. And we're very careful and, and, and use much discretion because I want to know who I'm giving to, how people live, how do they manage the money so that it's not wasted. Uh, we, we have the church uh, in Florida uh, put on a roof because their deductible was $40,000. The insurance has gone so high and, and, and just struggling. But you see, the righteous are going to suffer with the wicked because it rains on the just and it rains on the, uh, and on the unjust. And when God brings famine, then we're all, the just and the unjust, suffer. Why? The land is diseased. The land is poisoned. We don't want to stand up and say, you can't do that. You need to stop that. You know, we have these, these athletes who are so arrogant, so self-righteous, won't even stand for our national anthem. Well, what about all those people who have been shot, 500 and some people? What if they said, we're taking a knee, the, 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 the people at rescue, uh, the... the, the uh, the police, people who drive the ambulance, the police cars. What if they said, we're going to take a knee? You see, this is how selfish as a nation we have become. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy 3, there would be lovers of pleasure 
more than lovers of God, and they would have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. That, that's in Second uh, Timothy 3, 5. This is where we are today. Verse 8 in Amos. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now think of that, that, that calamitous situation where people are having to leave their city, where, wherever you're living tonight. Think about having to leave uh, your proximity and go 300 miles or 500 miles where there's water. Now, I, I'm a Christian, and so I would think, you know, I should be asking God, help us. God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me of my transgressions. God, forgive me where I have failed you. Why? So that God will open the fountains of the heaven again and pour rain and heal the land. As I said, when it gets, you know, almost uh, past the point of no return, a mayor or a governor will, will step up to the plate. Because it's not politically correct to say, let's pray for our nation. You know, people have bashed Donald Trump with rapidity, repeatedly. Um, yet he's talked more about God, and I don't agree with everything the man says. I, I kind of look at him as uh, wanting to be a Christian, but he still has his heathenistic ways. You know, it, it, when you live a life of sin, it's hard, I know. I, I lived a life of sin, and the hardest thing for me to quit was my cursing. It, it took me a year where I, I was into a place mentally and spiritually that if something made me angry or made me mad, I didn't curse anymore. You see, oh, I was washed in the blood, but my nature, my sin nature, and still my sin nature has to be worked on on a continual basis. And, and as we witness uh, these disasters, where are the preachers standing up saying, America, we need to repent? Now, don't misunderstand me. I am so grateful for the giving, the people standing in line to give blood, Leviticus 17:11 says, "For the life of the flesh is in the blood." I understand that. I won't get into the Levitical offering there, but the life of the flesh is in the blood. You may be uh, a black person tonight. You may be of Asia descent, but your blood can save my life and give me life. And, and that's a the blood is a unique substance. All oxygen, all minerals, all supplies are carried to the organs of the body by this life-giving substance called blood. The white corpuscles, the red corpuscles, they do their job. They heal us when we're cut. If the cut is not so deep and so injurious, it'll heal all by itself. You don't even need stitches if it's not that bad. And that wound will close up Why? There's healing, there's life in the blood. And that speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's life, there's healing, there's restoration. That's why we preach this gruesome, gory, uh, crucifixion and Calvary that Jesus endured. Luke twenty two forty four said, And being in an agony, he prayed the more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Some theologians believe his capillaries dilated within his blood vessels, and they burst. And so instead of sweat coming out of his pores, blood, blood began to flow. Revelation 1.5 says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. This wasn't the blood of another turtle dove, a goat, a ram, a bullock. This was the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. His blood is redeeming blood. 
Uh, Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. My God, that's the power that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And even though we are mortals, our blood can give life to another person. I'm grateful for that. I am thankful for that. But at the end of the day, that does not save, that does not redeem people. You know, as we all witness this carnage, and it disturbs me profusely, and I'm not going to rehash the news, and, and they said he was radicalized, and he probably was, or some kind of psyoptic mess where the CIA has messed with his brain and triggered it to do what they wanted to do. I, I know they do those things. I, I, these men are given over to demon possession, and, and it's because the God of this world has seized their minds, and they're able to control them to that degree. Uh, demon possession is, is, is the personification of absolute insanity. The man at the gatherings was cutting himself. They chained him with shackles and chains and fetters. He broke those with the demonic powers that lived in his body. But when the man called Jesus appeared, he went and he ran and he fell down and he began to worship Jesus. That's the power of the deity and the majesty of Christ. And, and Jesus was dealing with that demon, or it was plural, it's demons, legion. He said, what is your name? He said, we, it's, my name is Legion, for we are many. A legion is 6,000. So he had 6,000 demons in him. And, 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 and if you'll go back to Mark's gospel and Mark chapter 5, you, you know, so many people read the Bible and they don't get some of the things in the scriptures. But in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 10, the demon, he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. I read that years ago and I saw that demons are territorial. They like, when they capture a city, a state, a country, a nation, they don't want to surrender that back. They don't want to give it back. And for whatever reason, God lets them retain that. So instead of sending them out of the country, the Bible said there was nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine, and they were feeding. And the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine. Why? They knew he had the power to send them out of the country or send them into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. Notice he gave it to them. He had the power to do whatever he wanted to do, but he gave it to them. And the unclean spirits, plural, went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Then the Bible says the man was clothed and in his right mind, and the community was now afraid. And you know what the people did? If you continue to read on, the Bible said the people came out and they met Christ, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Instead of thanking God for deliverance, that now this demoniac that was a terrorist terrorized the people because no man could tame him. I mean, they did everything they could said often he was bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. The fetters broke in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. He was untamable. 
But Jesus came along. Jesus tamed him. And and and, and as we we we're going to see more of these 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 uh, bizarre uh, acts of crime of, of murder. And the reason I say that there's a scripture in uh, Hosea uh, chapter four verse two by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery they break out and blood toucheth blood what does that mean it means that murder follows murder blood toucheth blood it's 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 in perpetuity i believe because this nation has aborted so many children and so you never hear a preacher talk about that in the pulpit either why because he condones that in his church and 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 god uh, i told some lady uh, just a while back she she had an abortion and i said i know that's a, a grievous thing that you must bear mentally emotionally but i said that child loves you and that child is awaiting you uh, i like what the lord the lord showed steve quail that 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 child has forgiven that mother you see now the job is for the mother to forgive themselves it, it is so hard to forgive one's self of sin and, and I, I come to understand that in Genesis chapter 49 and 50 after Jacob had died now he had been down there in Goshen Joseph had brought the whole family down they lived together for 17 years eating dinner together God began to grow the nation and all those 12 brothers were all happy and were fulfilled, and, and were having dinner together, and just having a wonderful time. But as soon as Jacob, Israel, died, they sent a messenger to Joseph and said, We know now, since our father Jacob is dead, you're going to get even with us. That showed me they never forgave themselves. They were reconciled. Joseph wept. He embraced. He hugged their necks. He kissed them. He brought them down. Uh, Pharaoh gave them the land of Goshen, the, the most prime real estate in all of Egypt. And, and and Joseph said, you still don't get it. He said, God did not send me before you to kill you. He said, God sent me before you to save your life. God has done so much to try to save us. But we seemingly can't get over the hurdle of whether it be uh, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, malice, envy, clamor, backbiting. We need to let the past go. It's over. It's done with. Joseph understood. That's why Joseph was a type of Jesus Christ. We don't read one time in the book of Genesis where Joseph ever uttered any bitterness, any hurt, any pain. But he was like Jesus. He was loving. He was forgiving. And see, when he forgave them, they reconciled, but they never forgave themselves. Forgiving yourself sometimes can be the hardest thing to do. You can forgive others. You can reconcile. But you, the devil wants you to carry that guilt. Satan is a master at creating a circumstance, a situation that you carry the guilt. That's why David said in Psalms 51, he said, Forgive me of my blood guiltiness. I'm guilty of murdering Uriah. 
I had Joab put him at the front of the line and then retreat so I knew he would be killed. David said, forgive me of the blood guiltiness. I am guilty. I've done this. But forgive me. Create in me a clean heart and a right spirit so that I might tr teach transgressors the way. Having been forgiven, he could tell people, this is the way now to the cross. This is the way to get forgiveness. And to whom has been forgiven much, Jesus said, he loveth much. And, 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 and some of us, I know me, I've been given forgiven for so much. I've been forgiven for so much. That's why I love him with a passion. I love him more than anything in this world. And, and, and this week, it's only Wednesday, but God was dealing with me Monday. I, I didn't know this happened Sunday night. I woke up Monday morning and turned the television on, and there it was, this, this massacre. And, and, and this is when the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, now is the time to press inward. Leave all the distractions alone. Satan is a master at distracting you with a circumstance or a situation. Satan is a master of disguise and of deceit. He disguises what he's getting ready to do. He's a, but when you understand Satan, he's a murderer, he steals, he kills, he destroys. And, and, and until people come to understand, they have an adversary. It is the devil that's plundering our nation. This this new world order, and it will come to fruition. You're not going to stop it. You're, you're not going to stop this new world order. If it could be stopped, God would not allow it to happen. But it must come to happen. It must come to fruition for God's complete plan of redemption, forgiveness, salvation. It all must come to fruition. See, and there will be no ultimate reconciliation. There is no redemption for the for Satan and the fallen angels. There's no redemption for the false prophet. There's no forgiveness for the Antichrist. There is none. Because these two men are going to give themselves over to satanic power because they want power. Just like Judas, they're going to sell their soul because they love the world or money or the things of the world more than they love God. Let's take it back up in Amos 4 and 9. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer worm devoured them. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Look at that. I have smitten you. God has been the one who's done this. He said, when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, I, I allowed your 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 prosperity, I allowed your wealth, I allowed your business to, to, to escalate, and then I sent calamity, something like a worm, just like Jonah. That gourd grew up in one day and gave him shade, and the next day God sent a worm and ate it, and it shriveled away, and he was grumbling about the sun beating down on his head. We don't understand that how quickly God can take down an entire nation. He's God Almighty. No one, no thing, certainly no person, can stop God when he desires to move. And, and, and I'm really praying for mercy during this fall season. There's just, we are so tenuous. We, we, we are so tenuous, it, it begs description to know just how dangerous the fragility 
of our nation in so many different ways. And believe you me, our enemies are plotting and planning against us. They desire to see our demise. And it's not, their success is not going to be because of their brilliance, their, their stratagems, their ability to strategize. That's not why they're going to succeed. They're going to succeed because God says, I'm removing my hand. And you're going to be left to your own measly devices. And you're going to suffer untold judgment. Verse 10, I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses. I have made the stink of your camps to come up under your nostrils Yet have ye not returned to me, saith the Lord. Think of that. It seemed as though no matter how great the judgment that God allowed to come in the land, it was never enough to bring the people back to repentance. That's what I fear the greatest. Is that no matter how difficult, how arduous, how grave this nation becomes, uh, uh, someone told me today, I believe it was, is that guy, there's a video out. I haven't seen it. I was told this. <clears throat> there was somebody in that arena, that, that place where the concert was, had a beer in his hand and was giving the middle finger to that guy up there shooting with that automatic weapon. Yeah, and we Pastor, all know what that means. Go I, ahead, uh, uh, Doug. Uh, I'm Pastor, I'm sorry, I saw the, that article... Um, was showcased on the Daily Mail. And then I saw an interesting video today where there was um, not the the middle finger, but in all the uh, hysteria and confusion as everybody was running out of that venue, there was about uh, six to ten guys just standing there, not moving, um, not running, but shots were going off all around them, and, and the person on the video speculated that they might have been drunk or wasn't sure what they're doing, but was pointing out how everybody reacts differently in situations like this. But I thought that was pretty weird, uh, those two stories, the, the middle finger one and the uh, people just standing there not reacting to the to the shots. You, you know, it reminds me of defiance. Here's a, here's a man up there with an automatic weapon, been modified, of course, but the point is you have to be out of your mind to be giving a man a middle finger and you're facing death see people think I'm hard a lot of people think I'm I'm too hard and that's alright that doesn't bother me but my point is I don't want anybody's blood on my hands and to witness whether that's rebellion defiance or drunkenness that's why the Bible said drunkards shall not inherit the kingdom of God 1 Corinthians 6 9 if he was drunk and one of those two, two, three pieces of metal went into his head or his lung or whatever, and they tumble. That's why they do so much damage. Those pieces of, of uh, uh, bullets tumble inside, and they just they just diffract from here to there and, and hit in organs, and, and people usually bleed to death. That's, that's why that bullet was designed for that purpose. It's a killing bullet. But to be in that kind of defiance, and let's say he was that drunk. He's just you know, giving the guy the finger. Where did he go according to the scriptures? I, I didn't say that. I, I, didn't, I didn't make that rule up. I, I just report the word of God 
as the Word of God has given it to us. In First Corinthians six nine, I, I, want, I want to share that. I know this may upset some people tonight, but First Corinthians six nine says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God." And such were some of you. This, this, I, I could check off half of those things in there about myself. But now, I'm washed. I'm sanctified. I'm justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our Lord and Savior. But Paul said, and such were some of you. Some of you listening tonight, you fit that category. Many things in there, you were, you were a part of that. But it's, it's, it's the epistles, and you've heard me say this, Joe, lately, that preachers no longer preach from the epistles, because the epistles are the rules and the doctrine and the guidelines that we must live by, but nobody wants to preach from the epistles and tell the people what the letters to the church says. You know, they may read a little scripture out of the Gospels, and the Gospel is to every creature in the world, but after a man says, I'm born again, and I'm now part of the body of Christ, Christ says, now, that's why I gave these epistles to the apostles. I inspired Peter, James, John, Jude, Paul to write these epistles so that you would know now what I expected. It's kind of like the manual, the company manual, uh, human resources uh, and personnel what what the company expects out of you? You get so many days paid vacation. Well, we get divine healing. Uh, the you know we get we get this we get that. This is what the Bible tells us, and this is what God says. You know you, you got to live this way if you want to keep what I've given you. You know you don't abide by the protocol in the company that you work for, and they bring out the manual. They say you violated this and this and this and this, and now this is why we're terminating you. You you knew what we we said because here it is in the. And the guidelines, and that relieves them when they're or they're sued or taken to court. They knew what was expected of them, Your Honor, and 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 so we we go to court. We have judges. But somehow we don't think there's going to be a court of God, but He's the righteous judge, and He's going to adjudicate every one of us according to our works. The Bible says. So um, Israel has, has God has dealt with them in every way that you could imagine, starting in verse 6. And what do they do? They continue to not repent. Then he says in verse 11, I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now that, 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 that's a powerful statement, and he gives them something to draw from as a reference. Now, now let me say this. Sodom had no Bible. Sodom had no churches. Sodom had no preachers preaching the Word of God. And yet God judged them and destroyed them. Genesis nineteen twenty four and 25. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew upon the ground. You know, I get so tired of preachers saying, well, a lightning struck Sodom and Gomorrah, and there's an earthquake, and gases came up, and it exploded. 
the Bible tells us what God did. He rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire. He tells us what he did. Yet, purported theologians have the audacity to try to rewrite that and reinterpret that. Uh, that looks like a God that's angry. I mean, he's very angry. Because he says to Abraham, when he goes to his house, him and those two angels, that, that's, that third man was none other than Jesus Christ. Uh, we know that according to John chapter 8. Because Jesus was talking to the uh, Pharisees, and they were arguing with him. And uh, he said in uh, John eight fifty six, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And then they took up stones to kill him. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Well, when did Abraham see Jesus? Genesis 19. Or excuse me, Genesis 18, I should say. It's when the two angels and that third person came. And God said, uh, that he would not hide this from Abraham, which he was about to do. For he said, I'm going to bless Abraham, and he'll become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his house, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. And that's when Abraham went into the negotiation stage. Lord, if there's 50 righteous, 40 righteous, 30, 20, 10, Will you spare the place? And God said, if I find ten righteous, I will spare the place. Of course, they could not be found. But Genesis 18 and 2, and he, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. And of course, they killed a little uh, lamb, and uh, Sarah did, and dressed it, and uh, God made his, he made another a promise to Abraham, but he gave Abraham an opportunity to to plead uh, Sodom and Gomorrah's case, because his nephew, Lot, was living. Thus he says in Genesis eighteen twenty five, shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right? You will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. And of course he did. Uh, he got Lot his two daughters, and his wife out before he judged them in his wrath. We're going through the great tribulation, but we're not going through the wrath of God. The Bible is clear. We're not appointed unto that. But when it comes to tribulation, the tribulation is nothing but the wrath of Satan. Revelation 12 and 12 says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Let me finish. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a firebrand. You've been plucked out of the burning. In other words, God's doing everything he can to save you from a devil's hell. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. One of the saddest statements that a prophet has ever made to a nation is prepare to meet God. How would how would Israel meet God? They would meet God in judgment. 
they would meet God in judgment. Not in love, not in mercy, not in forgiveness, not in reconciliation, but he would meet them in judgment. Thus, verse 13, For lo, he hath he that formeth the mountains, and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thought, that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. What is he saying there? He that formeth the mountains. God says, I'll show you my deity by the fact of the Appalachian and the Rocky Mountains. And I'll show you the wind. You can't see it. It's invisible. But I'll allow you to see wind, what it can do. And createth the, the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought. Jesus knew every man's thoughts. He so many times he would look at them and reprove them and rebuke them because he discerned their thoughts. That maketh the morning darkness. God, we, we, because of the orbit of the earth and the rotation, and all you flat earthers out there need to wake up. The earth is not flat. I don't care what you say, what you believe, you're cynical to believe that nonsense. That's how we go from morning to darkness. That's what he's saying. God is doing all of this. And treadeth upon the high places of the earth. There's nowhere that God cannot go and subject any part of his creation to himself. And then he said, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. In other words, he's the dreaded judge. Um, there, was a, there was a judge in Charlotte, North Carolina. His nickname was Maximum Bob when I was pastoring in Charlotte. As a matter of fact, that was the judge that sentenced Jim Baker for 45 or 50 years in prison. And that was so cruel. But everybody knew Maximum Bob, whatever the law would allow him, he would give you all of it. He was a dreaded judge. He, he, he was feared Men were afraid to go into his court because if all he could give you was six months for a speeding ticket, he's going to give you six months in prison. That, that was his demeanor. That was his mindset. So he had the term, the, the nickname, Maximum Bob, and everybody knew it. And nobody wanted to get caught in his court because he was, it's like there was no mercy. Well, God always has mercy. But here's the problem. There comes a day when we've expended, we've used all of the mercy, we've, we've used all the grace, and God has no recourse but to judge us. And that's not where we want to be found, folks. We want to be found in a place of humility, a place of contrition, and a place for seeking forgiveness. I want to take a moment to pray quickly. Joe, do I have time to pray just for a minute? Oh, absolutely. Father, we come humbly before your majestic throne this evening. I know there are listeners all around the world, and I know there are some that are even tempting you with their rebellion, with their disdain for your word and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I pray that the spirit of conviction would assault their hearts, would melt their hearts. Lord, you would, you would come in a very powerful way to crush the hearts of those that are wicked, rebellious, who are steeped in sin so that they might turn and repent of their wicked deeds. I ask you to bring the lost to the saving grace and the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray for our nation. I pray for Donald J. Trump, that God, you would put spirit-filled people around him to help him 
to make the wisest and most prudent decisions for our nation. I pray that you will bring him into a place that he might know you as Lord, as Savior, and as Redeemer. And I pray for his detractors, God, that the same spirit of grace will challenge them, and they'll either come to know you or you'll reject them and cast them away. Bless the Hagman and Hagman Report. Bless everyone who works there, every effort that they put their hands to do, Father. I ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Keep us. Help us to be tremendously sober here in this hour, that we would be very diligent, Lord, and we'd recognize the wiles of the enemy as he seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And I ask you to forgive all of us of our sins, forgive us of our ungodliness, and teach us the way, Lord, that leads to eternal life, and we'll give you the praise for it all, which in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I hope somebody got something out of this tonight. You know, Pastor Langford, it's funny. Uh, when I was growing up, my grandma and grandpa Robertson, who pastored uh, uh, many churches, they taught me as a little boy, when you hear a good man sermonizing, you sit there and you listen. And uh, I just want to <laughs> thank you for your message tonight, and God bless you, sir. Well, thank you. And I want to thank all the listeners, and thank Joe and Doug for allowing me to come on Wednesday nights and just share whatever the Lord lays on my heart. Thank you, Joe. Absolutely, Pastor. And, um, you know, when you opened up in the beginning you talked about the uh us jumping in for interaction um i wanted to jump in but didn't really have anything important to say and you really um laid it out and you even called some of your own preaching hard but i don't i don't really think it was too hard um, when you're following what the bible says it is what it is and if society deems it to be hard then we must uh, have to relook at at what society is is teaching and promoting because what you um we're talking about was fundamental fundamental biblical information and Absolutely. i think it's important that people hear that today. amen you know you know joe as i was listening to pastor langford uh, uh preach this evening i thought you know sometimes he is a hard preacher but you know what we're living in hard times and mm-hmm. this is a hard world we're living in and what went down in las vegas sunday night that was some hard stuff and particularly yes. for 59 uh people and their families friends etc these are hard times. So maybe it's time that we get some seriously hard preaching, and maybe it's time for some seriously hard conviction in our souls. I feel it right now. God bless you, Pastor. God bless you both. Everyone have a great week. What's left of it? Thank you, you too, Pastor. Well, that will do it for us tonight. We had a, a fantastic show. We had the first half hour, first segment open. Then we were joined by Gerald Salente, um, he joined us in the second segment, and we covered a number of issues. Then Gregory Manorino joined us, and we continued talking about the economy, uh, the level of debt we have, the Federal Reserve, and Pastor Langford closed out in Hour 3. Now, my dad will be back tomorrow. Don't forget to check the Doug Hagman Show, 9 to 10 a.m., and the Hagman Daily Show, 2 to 3 p.m., both on Global Star Radio Channel 3, as well as on Blog Talk Radio Live and Archive as well. Uh, you can get them also on HagmanReport.com. Uh, Eric's built a page on there <clears throat> where there is a blog talk widget where you can actually play the shows right from HagmanReport.com if you want to keep it easy. Uh, we got a uh, great rest of the week lined up. Um, my dad will be back tomorrow. John, I want to thank you for filling in. Did a fantastic job, and it's fun as always. This is what we do on our daily show, so it's great to carry it over into Hagman Report. Absolutely. It's always my pleasure. Tomorrow evening, Alicia Powell from WorldNet Daily, James Wesley Rawls, 
and Matt Bracken, the retired U.S. Navy SEAL who wrote Enemies, Foreign and Domestic. It's going to be an awesome Thursday night. God bless you folks.